Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of February 22nd, 2024, including... We now officially know which four games Xbox is bringing over to PlayStation 5 and Nintendo Switch, as well as when they are coming. Xbox Cloud Gaming should be expanding to work with owned games in the near future. Future Xbox plans point to a continued and somewhat inevitable shift away from physical game releases and more. On this day in Xbox history, in the year 2002, 22 years ago, Jet Set Radio Future was released on the original Xbox, exclusively for the original Xbox, in Japan. Came out four days later in the US, and I think around Europe at the same time. Guys, welcome to Xbox on episode 247. Shout out to Jet Set Radio Future. I'm very eager to see the next entry in that series that that Sega is working on right now. Uh, Hey, Episode 247, Xbox On, the world's blank podcast. Mike Clark writes in and says, My favorite missing content Xbox podcast. Is Matt Booty in charge of the show? Ha ha ha, very funny, of course, reference to last week's episode when I lost an hour, an hour's worth of the recording and had to uh, had to re-record and stitch some stuff together and drop some things. But hey, that's not going to happen this week. And why do I know that? Because I'm just not, because I'm, I'm willing positivity in existence and I'm just not going to allow, allow that to happen. We're going to have a, a normal, smooth podcast recording. Please, Mike Clark, pray for me. You guys, let's start this week's podcast with our opening segment, notable game releases coming to the Xbox platform this week. The first one being... Actually, really the only one of consequence that I want to mention this week. Penny's Big Breakaway. Now, this is a game that was revealed... When was this revealed? Well, this wasn't... Was this at the Game Awards back in December? I don't know. But uh, we we, have, we haven't had a firm release date for it. Just kind of a, an, an inclination that was coming out in early 2024. Penny's Big Breakaway. This game is a, a third person... Third, yeah, third person action platforming game where with this yo-yo swinging mechanic looks kind of ridiculous what is penny is she like a freaking arc bark or some 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 weird shit are you an armadillo what are you i don't know it's creatures she looks like some some little angel penguin puffin creature the only reason i'm mentioning this game um at all is because this is being developed by uh, evening star studios which is a new team mainly comprised of uh developers that worked on sonic mania Back in 2017, which is widely considered to be the best 2D Sonic game, although I I, I don't personally think that's that's the best Sonic 2D Sonic game. Uh, it, it is a truly great one and widely considered to be one of the better uh, entries in the series. And so there's a lot of like expectation that this game will be will be at the very least good because uh, uh, just the talent behind it um, looks weird. Looks fun. It's got a little bit of Knights in, into Dreamland kind of energy. It's got a little Sonic the Hedgehog energy, and it's got its kind of own unique thing happening. I'm very curious to see this game. I, I I'm probably gonna have to give this game a try. So I I don't know. Probably not right now, but eventually. And so I just want to give a little shout out. It had a surprise launch day. 
announced uh, earlier on Wednesday during the Nintendo Direct partner stream. So it's coming out February 21st. So the, the day I'm recording this, this Wednesday, it's, it's out now. So I'll probably play that on Xbox Series X in the near future. But it's uh, it's also available on PC and Switch and some other platforms as well. Hey, guys, that's not the only thing. We got a lot of Xbox games coming this week in, in, in the near future that we're going to talk about in just a second here. But they're not coming to Xbox, strangely enough. They're coming to Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 5. You already know where I'm headed with this. So, guys, let's just... I, a little unconventional... Uh, I felt like this is a story that is a big deal, but it's not really news because we kind of already knew about it, and there's not too much to say about it, but it's still kind of important. So I, I just, I'm, I'm just gonna put this at the top of the show, out of order, uh, so to speak. And this is just um, the four games that that Xbox has promised that they are migrating to other platforms, and I just want to talk about them real quick because today, as the day I'm recording this Wednesday, we uh, we did get confirmation. Which games that which of these four games that we're getting and uh, what platforms they're coming to and when they're coming and all that. So let's just dive into that real quick right now, pulling from um, some uh, some VGC write ups in a, in a Verge um, article as well. So during the Nintendo Direct stream on Wednesday, it was revealed which Xbox Game Studio titles are coming to Nintendo Switch, which are in this case Pentiment and Grounded. Both games were developed by Obsidian Entertainment and are, and are among four Xbox console exclusives that were reported to be coming to other consoles. We had that confirmed after a long time of rumors just last week during the Xbox business update. Pentiment will be released the day this very podcast goes live, Thursday, February 22nd, while Grounded is coming to Nintendo Switch on April 16th. Later in the very same day, Wednesday in the afternoon, Microsoft spoke more and confirmed multi-platform. Uh, sorry, spoke more and confirmed multi-platform release plans for the four games, including the other two titles we haven't mentioned yet. Following the weeks of speculation, rumors, and whatnot, uh, Microsoft delivered an Xbox business update last Thursday, which addressed these claims that the company had been exploring the possibility of bringing games to PlayStation and Switch. It confirmed plans to release four unnamed Xbox exclusives at that time on other console platforms, which were believed to be Pentiment, Hi-Fi Rush, Sea of Thieves, and Grounded. It has now been confirmed, and here is the, the announcement in Xbox's own words. So they say, Pentiment from Obsidian Entertainment, a truly unique, critically acclaimed, award-winning narrative adventure game. With the shrinking, sorry, with the striking visual style inspired uh, by history itself, will be coming to PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and Nintendo Switch on February 22nd. So that one is out now. It's happened. So that's one of four down. Uh, everyone guessed it. It seemed to be right. It was kind of an obvious one, you know. And here's the next big one. Hi-Fi Rush, this is this is where it gets a little weird. The award-winning and beloved rhythm-based action game where the world sinks to the music from Tango Gameworks and Bethesda Softworks. This game will be coming to PlayStation 5 on March 19th and will be available for pre-purchase on PlayStation 5's digital storefronts on February 21st. Now, no mention of Nintendo whatsoever. In fact, this game didn't show up at the Nintendo Direct. And if you look back to the leaks and the rumors and everything, including like the, oh yeah, the little digital shirts that are going to be available. And there's one for PlayStation. There's one for Nintendo Switch. All signs were pointing to this game also coming to Nintendo Switch. But here we are. It's just PlayStation 5. Not even PlayStation 4. Just PlayStation 5. So we'll come back to that in a second. Circle back to that um, after we continue on with Grounded, uh, where Xbox says, also from Obsidian Entertainment, a co-op survival adventure phenomenon that has welcomed 20 million players into the backyard. It will be coming to PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and Nintendo Switch on April 16th. Crossplay will be supported across Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, and PC, uh, which, of course, it's already on Xbox and PC. Um, so that's great. April 16th, Grounded. We all, you know, 
that that you could kind of talk about in the same breath as Sea of Thieves, which is the, the final game. Sea of Thieves, the shared world adventure game from Rare, will be coming to PlayStation 5 on April 30th and will be available to wishlist on PlayStation starting tomorrow or the day this podcast goes live, February 22nd. Having built a passionate community for, of more than 35 million players around the world, the support for cross of crossplay for Xbox, PlayStation, and PC will allow players to experience epic pirate adventures with friends on more platforms. So let's just stop right there. Or I guess I guess we'll throw in this last little excerpt before we move on. Uh, limited run games, as a side note, have announced plans to release physical editions uh, of Pentiment for Xbox, PlayStation 5, and Switch, and a physical version of Hi-Fi Rush for Xbox Series X, S, and PS5. Limited run games, the controversial small company that is known for... Uh, <laughs> poor treatment of employees and uh and poor in poor shipping times and communication with uh, customers um kind of a dubious company so a little little weird to see microsoft partner with them uh doing a limited physical release um for these games which is also just weird because microsoft well at least until very recently had the in-house uh talent to, to, to do this kind of thing so it's weird that they're outsourcing it but nonetheless let's focus on these four games because there's a couple things i, I do want to know so the games themselves that we see here are not surprising. If you've been following the rumors, the stories, and everything for the past couple, I don't know, I'd say month plus at this point, we've all expected these games. No one's surprised to see these four titles. Um, but I think what is surprising is the platforms some of these games don't appear on. The, the platforms that we don't see uh, games appearing on here. So so Pentiment coming to Nintendo Switch, obviously, you know, that's whatever. We, we, we all... We all expected that. We're we're anticipating it, and that doesn't surprise people, right? Like you you can imagine a game like Pentiment. I'm just talking about from a performance perspective. You can understand why a game like Pentiment could easily come to Nintendo Switch or PlayStation Four. It's a smaller indie style, two two D, um, unique art style, no no doubt, but you know not very graphically intensive game. And so it's easy to see how they were able to get that on so many platforms, including like the outdated PlayStation 4 and the Nintendo Switch and stuff like that. Now, Hi-Fi Rush is a game we all thought and the rumors suggested that Nintendo Switch was getting this game, but it's not coming to Nintendo Switch. But notice it's also not coming to PlayStation 4, whereas Pentiment is. So I think it's pretty safe to assume that Hi-Fi Rush isn't coming to Nintendo Switch, not because it was never going to come to the platform, but because there must be optimization or performance issues or something that were hindering their ability to get this game on Nintendo Switch, um, which is why it's only coming to PS5, a, a platform with comparable power to a, uh, a, a an Xbox Series X. And I know people like to, there's a lot of misinformation out there that the Xbox Series S is incapable and just as dated and, and, and useless as a Xbox One or a PS4, but I, I'm sure getting a game like Hi-Fi Rush to sing on an Xbox Series S is much easier than, than getting a game like this on Xbox One or PS4. And so it looks like with Hi-Fi Rush, you know, this isn't confirmation, but the speculation just staring at, you know, the the info on the paper making the obvious observation, it, it would seem that Hi-Fi Rush, they weren't able to get it running and looking as great as they wanted it to, and therefore it's only coming to the PS5, not the Nintendo Switch, despite what the rumors suggested, and not the PS4, despite the fact that the PS4 is getting some of these games, but just not that one. And then we have a similar thing happen here with Grounded, where this game's coming to PS4, this game's coming to Switch, in addition to PS5, so they were able to get this game optimized and running and looking great, or good enough, you know, on PS4 and Nintendo Switch to feel confident enough to say, hey, we're putting this on those platforms. And I just wonder if this has to come down to Hi-Fi Rush being a game that demands 
you know, a precise and smooth frame rate or, or a certain level of performance because it being a rhythm based game, you need that, that syncopation and that, that perfect kind of smooth, smooth running game. Like you can't have choppy frame rate on, on something on a game where the combat is dependent on, you know, being in sync with the music. So I, I, I I'm guessing that that has something to do with it. It's not that the game, they couldn't get it running. It's just that they couldn't get it running well enough to a point where they, maybe were confident that the integrity of the game was in place. You know, maybe they felt like it was just a little off or, or maybe this is something they're holding off for later. Maybe this will come to Nintendo switch, but at a later date, or maybe they're holding it for Nintendo switch Two, which rumors are suggesting the game that, that, that the new Nintendo switch console is going to be released probably next spring, uh, slipping out of a fall 2024 initially planned uh, release time frame. So maybe that has something to do with it. And then finally see if thieves, Again, the same thing. Now, the rumor really for this was that it was coming to PlayStation. I don't think the rumor ever really was that Sea of Thieves was coming to Switch. But again, the same thing. I think the most important thing to notice here is the games that are coming to Nintendo Switch are also coming to PlayStation 4. The games that are not coming to Nintendo Switch are also not coming to PlayStation 4. So that is why I'm just making the simple observation that there is a power deficit that's that's playing into things here. And so Sea of Thieves, again, PlayStation 5. Now, this one's a little more curious because Sea of Thieves is an Xbox One game. And the Xbox One is less powerful than a PlayStation 4, so there's no reason why Sea of Thieves couldn't run on an Xbox One, and clearly this is the Xbox Series X um, version of the game that's coming to PS5, but it's a little curious that for a game that runs just fine on Xbox One, why you wouldn't want to bring this also to PS4, and then by extension of that, maybe try and get it on the Switch, but... Yeah, I wonder what the, the the idea behind that was. And maybe it's just because, hey, live service games, there's just more of a demand in the market for that stuff on a sit-on-your-couch home console kind of place like a PlayStation or an Xbox, and less so for like a all-ages-friendly uh, portable gaming hybrid machine like the Nintendo Switch. But I don't really buy that because, I mean, games like Fall Guys and Fortnite and stuff are just absolutely huge on Switch. And, hell, isn't Apex Legends on Switch these days? So... I don't know. Switch is a weird platform because much has, you know, as has been the case with Nintendo for quite a while at this point, for most of my life now at this point, really, um, Nintendo consoles have just been so underpowered relative to Xbox and PlayStation that this it seems to be more of like a, well, where there's a will, there's a way kind of thing with which third-party games make their way to Nintendo hardware. It's not so much about can Nintendo's platform handle this graphically intensive game. It has more to do with like, how badly does this third party uh, company want to get that game on to Nintendo's hardware? You know, in, in, in recent years on switch, we've seen that manifest in the form of super dumbed down, you know, graphically inferior versions of games. But we've also seen that come in the form of cloud games on, on switch as you know, where you download the game and then you're entitled to the ability to stream it via cloud. So I, I, I don't, I don't really know what the thought process was behind this, but it does seem like, with Sea of Thieves, they're probably just porting over the Series X version of the game, and that's why we're not getting it on PS4 or Switch. And then, again, with Hi-Fi Rush, there must have been some some fidelity reason or some, you know setback that, that caused that game to just be PS5 because... You know, I, I, for one, absolutely believe all the rumors and everything. Everything's been spot on, and it's been from really reliable sources. So I, I think it's pretty safe to assume the intention was to get Hi-Fi Rush on Switch, and then that just didn't end up happening. Now, let's move away from that for a second, because uh, just on a higher level here, like, okay, so here we are. It, it's happened now. Xbox addressed the elephant in the room last week, 
And now the games are officially announced. And also just as a side note, Phil Spencer, just another example of him kind of like saying something, but not really meaning it or just kind of, I don't know, like not to say bad faith, but like he was like, I don't want to last week. He was like, I don't want to talk about what those four games are. And that was clearly because they didn't want to draw attention to the wrong aspect of their message. They wanted to keep the messaging on the vision of Xbox and not which games are leaving Xbox. And that's why he didn't announce those games last week during the Xbox business update podcast. But I just love how he's like, I don't want to talk about what four games those are because we don't want to take that away from these developers who want to, you know, announce these games when they're ready and in their own way. It's like, well, well, bro, these developers didn't announce these games. Nintendo announced two of these games and then the other two basically leaked. And then you guys put out a blog post detailing them. So it doesn't really look like Rare got to have a, a, a personal announcement explaining Sea of Thieves coming to PS5. And it doesn't really look like Hi-Fi Rush and Bethesda and Tango got a proper way to a platform to talk about Hi-Fi Rush coming to PS5. It just seems like you guys had a deal already made up with Nintendo to announce Pentiment and Grounded at this digital showcase. And that's the real reason why that, that and you not wanting to distract from your messaging last week are the real reason why it's like, I don't know. I, I get why they couldn't say that. You know, I don't think it's like a bad guy move or anything. I, I, they had a prearranged agreement with Nintendo and they couldn't break that. And they also couldn't allude to that because that would be spoilery. So I, I get why he said what he said, but like, it was wrong. It was, it was kind of a lie. Right. Um, so that, that's another oddity, I guess I'll just point out for, for what it's worth. I don't really know what else to make of that other than just to observe the simple fact that it happened. But the other thing I want to just mention real quick is so, so here we are, right? We can stop talking about the rumors cause the rumors are over, right? The games have been announced. They have release dates. We've seen the trailers. Yes. If you go to the PlayStation YouTube channel right now, you can watch a sea of thieves and a hi-fi rush trailer. It's weird as fuck, but it, it's there. It exists. And so where does this leave us? Okay. I was always okay with sea of thieves. This is from personal perspective. I was always okay with the idea of sea of thieves and grounded in particular coming over because it's like, yeah, they're live service games and live service games live and die by the the community that the games have access to you know like the more people who are able to access that game the more potential that game has to not only you know claim a claim a, a stake in the ground but also maintain a steady player base and both grounded and sea of thieves are older games especially sea of thieves that have built big communities and had lots of you know lots of exposure and playtime and and, and kind of had their moment in the sun and I, I don't really see a problem with this. In fact, I wouldn't have even had a problem if a game like Grounded came out in day and date was a PlayStation 5 game as well. I mean, we're going to talk about this a little later on the show when we get to the what I've been playing. And I talk about Helldivers 2 because that's a PlayStation game that released day and date on PC, which is a new thing for PlayStation. And it proved to be a very good move for them. And we're going to see a lot more of this happening from all the players except Nintendo because Nintendo's Nintendo, but we're going to see a lot more of this coming from Xbox and PlayStation in the future. And we just have to kind of become a little more comfortable with it, especially kind of going back to Phil Spencer's, some of his quotes from various interviews he did last week, which is just that the market is changing. Games are becoming incredibly expensive to make. And this idea that like the only reason why people come to a platform is just for this exclusive or that exclusive is not necessarily tenable. And this is me kind of expounding a little bit or insinuating based on some of his quotes, but like, I don't know, like a game like God of war Ragnarok, that's a game that's going to sell some PlayStation fives. And that's why you need an exclusive game like that for PlayStation. A game like Starfield is going to sell a couple Xboxes. That's a, that's, that's a game worth having. 
as an exclusive game. There's there's a there's a logic and, and a reason behind that. This is a huge tentpole adventure. It's like a big summer blockbuster. It's a movie that you know the movies that people are gonna are gonna say this is better than Netflix. I gotta go out to the theaters and watch Oppenheimer or the Barbie movie or whatever. It's like movies like that. They're they're the exception to the rule. They're the reason why people have to go to the movie theater, even though they have subscription services to you know to to Max and and, and Hulu and Netflix and all the others, right? But not every game is that. Only a few things are 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 that kind of experience. And in something like a, a super multi, you know, hundred million dollar budget AAA game extravaganza from one of the top studios in the world that's super cinematic and and, and just so fleshed out and detailed and rich. You know, those are the kinds of games that can justify being a console exclusive and can even help the platform benefit by drawing in new users, selling more hardware, garnering Game Pass subscribers, what have you. So I completely understand games like that staying exclusive, at least for the foreseeable future. But people are going to have to get more and more comfortable over time with this notion that not everything fits that mold. And I think games like Sea of Thieves and Grounded are perfect examples because of their live service nature. It's not to say that a game like Sea of Thieves isn't a, a big deal in the way of a Starfield or in the way of a God of War. It's just saying they work differently. Like a game like Sea of Thieves isn't like immediately appealing to people because like, oh my God, that game looks so badass. Everyone's talking about it. It's so cool. It's more of a game that's going to come out and it's going to garner a community. And if that community takes to the game and if that game has something to say and prove, then maybe it will catch on. But if it's only available to a fraction of the gaming community, it has less of a chance of achieving that. So it kind of needs to be more platforms in order to have more of that chance. So there's a, it's just the way a live service game catches on and lives and has that chance to be a success. is just very different from like a big tentpole, triple a story driven single player experience, like a Starfield or God of war if you're on PlayStation. And so I just think that's an important distinction. And then there's like the Hi-Fi Rush and Pentiment thing, which is like these smaller games, these kind of side projects, Pentiment in particular, really like a, a kind of like a side pet project. And that's not to speak down on the game. The game is apparently great. People, I haven't played it, but people who have played it have nothing but great things to say about it. And the thing about it is that's another example of a game that's not going to, it's not going to move the needle a great way. Like people, Pentiment came out in 2022 and didn't make people run out and buy an Xbox, but it was a great supplemental additive kind of bonus for Xbox owners and Game Pass subscribers. And it was one of those things to help keep you subscribed a little longer in Game Pass and help you broaden your horizons and reach out and try a little something new. And it was great. It was additive and it was, it was, it was a nice thing to have. But again, it's not that big thing. You know, I'm not I'm not saying no one in the world ever bought an Xbox because of Pentiment. I'm sure someone somewhere did, but it doesn't move the needle. It's additive and supplemental. It is not the main course. You know, no one goes to a restaurant because they love the complimentary bread service, although that's kind of a lie I think people do. People go for the entrees. You go for the steak, not the bread rolls. The bread rolls are great, but you're there for a goddamn ribeye. You know what I'm saying? So... I get that. I can, I, I'm down with all this. I, I, I'm cool with the idea of like, yeah, okay, I get it. Like, we get Pentiment first. We get it for a year. It adds value to Game Pass. It's a great little game. We know that's not making or breaking the success of Xbox. A year later, you can go, okay, well, let's make some fucking money off this game now that Xbox users have gone through it. Put it on PlayStation. Sell it to them. Make a nice chunk of change. Doesn't really affect the future of Xbox any specific way. We move on. But... In order for all of this to stay kosher, in order for all this to continue to make sense, for it to be okay for, you know, the next Grounded or the next Sea of Thieves type live service game to come out on PlayStation day and date, and for it to be okay for Xbox users, 
you know, in, in, in order for it to be okay for the next Pentiment or the next or the next Hi-Fi Rush or smaller kind of supplemental side game, in order for it to come out, be on Xbox for six months to 12 months, and then come to PlayStation Switch later, in order for that to continue to be okay and continue to make sense for the Xbox fan base, because that's what I'm more concerned about than, you know, Microsoft as a brand and an entity. In order for that to be okay, it just cannot come at the behest of Starfield and Halo and Gears of War and Avowed and these kinds of games and Fable and Perfect Dark and so on and so on because those are your God of Wars. Those are your Starfields. Those are the games that people are going to go, I should buy an Xbox or I should buy a PlayStation based on that game. People decided to buy PlayStation 5s last year because Spider-Man 2 came out. People decided to buy Xbox One, Xbox Series consoles in 2021 because Halo Infinite came out. People will decide to buy Xboxes this year because of Indiana Jones and because of Avowed and, and because of Hellblade. And these are the kinds of games where I'm like, watch it, Xbox. Like, if you start to put this stuff on PlayStation, even if it's six months later, even if it's 12 months later, that's where we start to cannibalize the Xbox hardware. So I kind of want to, I don't know, because I felt a little unsatisfied last week after I recorded the podcast with how I touched on everything. I was very, I was very tired and frustrated with, uh, losing an hour of the podcast and having to record until very, very late at night and everything. I was sleep deprived. And looking back on that podcast, I feel like I didn't do justice and in, in really fulfilling what I made the title of that episode, which is, you know, did we overreact or, you know, where, where are we? How did, how did this go? And I, I want to make it clear, to some extent, yes, people overreacted. If, if you're one of those people that sold your Xbox and posted your GameStop receipt on fucking Twitter for attention, yeah, you overreacted, bitch. But I'm not talking about those people. Or I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, like, us normal people who have, like, well-adjusted lives who just so happen to like Xbox. Did we overreact? I don't really think so. Like, if you were pretty concerned a couple weeks back about what was going on with Xbox, I don't know. I don't really think it was overreaction because I'm looking at Hellblade or Hellblade Hell Divers 2, which we're going to talk about when we get to the what I've been playing and what an awesome game it is, and what a massive success it is for Sony right now and how much people who don't own or play PlayStations are enjoying this PlayStation game right now in the Steam and PC gaming community. And I'm thinking about how all of this is happening in the backdrop of what's going on with Xbox right this moment and the timing couldn't be any better. And it just seems so blatantly obvious to me that Xbox can only look at this situation and allow the status quo to go on for so long before things continue to get worse. Because I like Phil Spencer, but I don't trust everything the guy says because he says a lot of things that then kind of change a year later <laughs> or that some other executive at Microsoft might say something else that contradicts what Phil Spencer says. And so what I'm getting at here is if Sea of Thieves is going to come to PlayStation, even if it's day and date or a year or two later or five years later, that's cool. If Pentiment or Hi-Fi Rush are going to come to PlayStation, Switch, six, 12 months later, that's cool. But again, if the next Halo game is on PlayStation, I don't give a shit if it's six months later, 12 months later, five years later. That's weird. I see a lot of people saying, like, they should bring the Master Chief Collection over to PlayStation. It's like, I, not really. Because, yeah, that is live service, but that is... That's your biggest baby. That is the last thing. Like, I don't know if nin Nintendo has some games that could come to Xbox and it wouldn't be fucking crazy. You know, like if they did a second party game with Square Enix or like, you know, Octopath Traveler or Bayonetta, or these are franchises that have been on other platforms, but are heavily Nintendo associated. It's not too weird. 
But if Nintendo, if Nintendo put Mario Brothers on Xbox, that'd be fucking weird. Don't do it with Halo. Don't do it with Gears of War. These are the brands. These are the IP. These are the games that create the Xbox identity, for better or for worse. And I just, I just think that's a bad move because I think once Halo comes to PlayStation, once Gears of War comes to PlayStation, that is when you start. It starts to actually get drilled into not the gamers, not the Twitter people, not the terminally online Reddit users. But the casual consumers, the, 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 your co-workers that kind of play games, sometimes maybe those kinds of people, this is when they start to go, oh yeah, fuck Xbox. Why would I ever buy an Xbox? I'll just get PlayStation. Is when you, it's when you put Indiana Jones and Gears of War and Forza on the PlayStation. I, I think there's got to be a line in the sand in these, these franchises that define the Xbox platform and that are the tentpole, triple-A, one-of-a-kind, summer blockbuster, must-see, must-play, whatever experiences, those have got to stay on Xbox. Because I don't think we overreacted a couple of weeks ago, us more rational, reasonably-minded people, in the sense that if we start to see a Gears of War collection hit PlayStation, if we start to see the Master Chief collection hit PlayStation, if Starfield comes to PlayStation in a year or two, I don't know, man. I know Phil Spencer said some things and they really wanted you to take away last week that like they're dedicated to the Xbox hardcore and they're, they're dedicated to hardware and Hey, we got new creative hardware. We got a new platform. We got a new generation of Xbox coming in a few years. That's the most powerful, the biggest leap in power you've ever seen. It's like, yeah, whatever. That's all bullshit. If you take the biggest games and put them on PlayStation, because you can't tell me we're dedicated to hardware while also putting games on PlayStation that are going to cannibalize the hardware sales. Because even if you as Phil Spencer, you as Sarah Bond, you as Matt Booty say, we want to continue to invest in Xbox hardware, eventually someone at Microsoft is going to say, yeah, you can't keep making hardware because no one's buying it. It costs us way too much money to R&D. We sell the hardware at a loss. And your games are selling like crack on PlayStation. No, we're not doing this anymore. Eventually, I'm not saying today or tomorrow, but maybe 8, 10, 15 years Someone says no to the hardware and says that's just for PlayStation, Switch 5, PC, whatever, you know, mobile. And that's my concern is that not today or tomorrow, but I, I, I still I still do have the same concern I had a couple of weeks ago, which is that Xbox hardware isn't safe just because Phil Spencer and Sarah Bond told me on a 22 minute podcast that it's safe. Because I believe that they want to continue to make Xbox hardware. I believe that they are dedicated to that. But I also believe this new path they're on could take that could take that power out of their hands to remain committed. And that's that's just my big fear. And, and it's like, Jesse, well, why? I get that. Maybe that makes sense to some of you or to all of you. I don't fucking know. But it's like, why, why are you why are you taking this news and, and turning in that direction? We just talked about, you know, it seems like the four games that are now confirmed to be coming are pretty reasonable, pretty rational, rational. I'm, I'm fine with all of that. Right. But this is why. Let's let's continue on. So The Verge, and this is a little bit from last week's news and a little bit of like a um, a reframing that I'm seeing going along uh, around online. From The Verge, and this is just an excerpt from from an article Tom Warren puts in this in this write-up. He's, he's talking about specifically the four games coming to PlayStation and Nintendo and kind of just overviewing the conversation Xbox had last week, the fan concerns that were had, and, and, and speculation about what this means going forward based on what we know and what games are, are coming for the time being. And I just want to pull this ex- excerpt from this write-up where he says, I understand that Microsoft has also previously been weighing up the idea of bringing Gears of War, Microsoft Flight Simulator, and even Doom 
um, on rival platforms. Final decisions have not been made on those games, but there's bound to be more than. But it's bound. There's bound to be just more than four. As this strategy evolves, it is clear that there will uh, be some interesting decisions being made about the future of Xbox game exclusivity. So we heard the rumors about Gears of War a couple weeks ago. We heard the rumors about Starfield. Phil Spencer shut down the rumors about Starfield and Indiana Jones. And then in that same day in an article with The Verge in an interview said, I would never rule out the possibility of those games ever coming to PlayStation. I just don't, I just, that's just not happening currently or anytime soon. And now the rumors of Gears of War are resubmerging. Now we're getting rumors of Flight Simulator and even Doom. And the thing here is like, this is getting too close to me. Gears of War, over the line, as I've just made abundantly clear. Flight Simulator, it's kind of like halfway between like putting Forza on PlayStation and halfway between being okay. Because, I mean, the game's fucking called Microsoft Flight Simulator, so that's weird. Uh, But again, it's not a huge system seller. Like, that's kind of a gray area with that one. We could go into it further, but frankly, I don't give a shit. Um, But then there's Doom, and Doom is weird. Doom is like kind of also a half step between like being something like Gears of War or Halo and then being something like a Pentiment or a Hi-Fi Rush where Doom is a much more notable game than like a Pentiment or a Hi-Fi Rush. It will sell better. It will garner much more attention and has way more potential to sell consoles. But it's also a franchise that has a history on other platforms and maybe you could make an argument as to why it's, it should be expected for a game like that to come to PlayStation. Still, I think, why the fuck did you buy Bethesda in the first place if not to get games like Doom exclusive to Xbox to sell platforms. And even though Doom has been on PlayStation, especially in more recent history, um, I I don't, I don't, Doom, much like Elder Scrolls, is one of those franchises that's just so historically associated with Microsoft, PC, Windows, and then Xbox. And so this would be an easy game to make and keep exclusive on Xbox, but now we see these rumors of maybe maybe Doom comes to PlayStation, maybe not at first, maybe six or 12 months later, maybe later, maybe day and date, who knows? And it's like, this is the stuff I'm talking about, is because let's say Double Fine, you know, let's say Double Fine is pulling an Obsidian, and they have two big games on the way. One is a AAA, $150 million developed, like, action um, platforming game with light RPG elements and it it feels very authentically double fine and it's like super exciting looking and it's it's like their new super exciting AAA game and it it looks great and we're all looking forward to it but double fine who have a history of making lots of smaller indie style games also has a little game on the side something kind of in the vein of like of like um, something kind of in the vein of like a costume quest or costume quest 3 style game right let's say they're, they're they're making that on the side they got like a team of like 12 people making that game on the side while the majority of the team works on their new AAA 150 million dollar Xbox exclusive title right I don't have a problem with that smaller game being made by the party of 12 people that's just going to be some supplemental weekend fun game pass additive thing I don't have a problem with that coming to Nintendo Switch or PlayStation 5 at, you know, soon or eventually after it comes out, whatever. But that brand new AAA game that that is intended to be a big tentpole game for Xbox that year it comes out and to help sell Xbox hardware and garner new Xbox Game Pass subscribers, which remember Phil Spencer and Matt Booty confirmed last week that Game Pass is remaining exclusive to Xbox. It's not coming to PlayStation and Nintendo and all that. You would expect that game to be exclusive and remain exclusive. And that is a concern I have 
that we're going to slowly start to see that that clear division between a game like Halo and a game like Pentiment, between between Double Fine's new AAA game and Double Fine's double you know smaller little indie spinoff supplemental experience, to see that line that divides those two types of experiences start to blur more and more and more, and then it's like we're not putting Halo Seven on PlayStation, we're just putting Master Chief Collection. Keep in mind these games are like. 20 years old we're not putting gears of war 6 on playstation we're just putting the marcus phoenix collection on playstation 5 it's just a couple old gears of war games don't worry about it and then the double the new double fine game which is a little blurry because it's a brand new ip that's xbox exclusive then eight months later comes the playstation and then blade comes to playstation day and date but indiana jones is xbox exclusive but only for six months and then you know starfield came to playstation like a year later and it's like now we're breaking down now we're falling apart and i feel like you're starting to signal and phil spencer made it clear like i don't want to i don't want to he, he one of his quotes last week was like i don't want to confuse playstation gamers and give them this 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 thought or this assumption or, or to feed them with this expectation that they should start assuming more and more of our games are coming to their platform because that probably isn't the case or that might not be the case or i don't know what to tell you at this point is more along the lines of what he was saying but I don't know, man, that line's going to start to blur more and more and more. And then that PlayStation consumer is going to expect more and more and more. And that's great. Good for them. They have access to more great games. But I just worry about at the end of the day, my big concern and my my big focus is on what are we doing to future proof and secure the health of the Xbox hardware? Because I, as, I, as I podcast right now, staring at my computer screen, I see my Xbox Series S right off to the right here of my monitor. I'm looking at her and I'm just like, I, I love this little fucking thing. I, I love my Series S. I love my Series X. My girlfriend's downstairs right now playing the Series X. I'm looking at my Series S. I'm talking into a microfo- microphone about Xbox altogether. My cat's probably in the bedroom watching fucking TV on an Xbox One. It's, it's all good shit. We love Xbox. And I just... I'm. I'm just sitting here saying, what do we need to do to make sure we are protecting and prolonging the health and viability of the console? I don't give a shit if PlayStation users get access to every game. I don't care if PlayStation users get Tomba 3 and fucking Back to the Future, the movie, the video game based on Peter Jackson's King Kong. PlayStation gamers can get fucking everything they can get a golden ticket to Willy Wonka's factory and an annual pass to Universal Studios Osaka Japan all of that's great have the time of your life PlayStation users but Xbox while you're out doing all that while you're giving the fucking candy passes away just make sure you're not you're not fucking sticking a goddamn stake in the in the heart of the Xbox hardware because that's that's that that baby's why I'm here I listen man if I seem a little, if I seem a little nervous, if I seem a little sensitive, if I, if I seem a little hyperactive, excuse me, as I stare at my bin full of abandoned Windows and Surface phones, okay? As I look at my expired subscription to Zoom Music, okay? I've been hurt before. I'm looking at you, Xbox Connect. Anyway, so I don't know. I just want a little bit of what's going on with the news. Top of the show. Want to address this stuff first and foremost. Also want to kind of pull back to last week. Kind of double down and clarify where I stand on everything that's happened. PlayStation gamers. I haven't played Pentiment, so I can't talk to that. Hi-Fi Rush is a great game. I hope you guys freaking love it. Nintendo fans, PlayStation fans. Grounded is not for me, but I have played it a couple times. And I think there's a lot of 
charm to it. And I really hope it continues to have a strong community with you guys now having access to it. Sea of Thieves. I love that game. My girlfriend's literally playing Sea of Thieves right now downstairs. That game has been a part, you know, in this fucking household, like crazy between myself and my girlfriend for, for like five years now. And, and I hope play, I hope PlayStation players absolutely adore this game. It is, it is an awesome one of a kind, unique experience. Just stay the fuck away from my hardware. Let me have my objectively superior Xbox controller. How's that for an opening segment? All right, let's move on, guys. Let's uh, let's go back to the mildly amusing stories, the stories that we open up the show with. Yeah, so a couple of these we got to talk about are actually from last week, but we lost it during an hour of the recording last week that was uh, that just that went into oblivion. And some of this is new, so we'll kind of parse through it uh, one by one. Some of these we might go through a little faster than others. But yeah, this first one is something I just want to touch on real quick. Um, I don't have much to say on it, but this is from last week. Um, yeah, so so the F- the FTC is is taking Xbox to task on on a couple of contradictions from statements made during the court hearing last year with the Activision Blizzard deal. And uh, now that Microsoft announced, you know, back in January that they're cutting 1900 jobs, especially across Activision and Bethesda, um, the FTC is like arguing and, and taking this to court and be like, Hey, look, they're literally doing things. They said they wouldn't do Look, they're literally downsizing the industry, blah, blah, blah. And I just want to point out in, in Microsoft's defense, one of the things they say, um, <laughs> one of the things um, VGC got a hold of this letter, but Microsoft lawyers claim um, that Blizzard and Activision were already making plans for large-scale layoffs and then kind of shifted the responsibility to Microsoft instead of doing it themselves. They kind of waited for the deal to go through so Microsoft could be the ones having to make that decision. And so the Microsoft lawyers say in the write-up, consistent with broader trends in the gaming industry, Activision was already planning on eliminating a significant number of jobs while still operating as an independent company. The recent announcement thus cannot be attributed fully to the merger, saying that uh, the merger is not the reason why these layoffs happened. Uh, this These layoffs were happening regardless. And to that, of course, you got to laugh because... Fuck you, Microsoft. Fuck you, multi, multi-trillion dollar company. Yeah, man. I mean, like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what Activision was planning to do when they were an independent company. When you bought them, it was a choice for you to make to lay these people off or not. And you chose to lay them off. So the buck stops with you. Even if even if Bobby and team did you dirty by dumping the responsibility in your lap and making you look like the bad guy, you're still the one that did it, man. It's so weird. It's like, it's like, oh yeah, well the, this robber was going to pull the trigger and, and shoot Batman's parents cold dead in the fucking streets. But, but the murderer didn't do it. He handed it to, to fucking Batman and said, no, you kill your parents. Uh, and then, and then Batman killed his parents. So it's not Batman's fault. It's the, it's the murderer. That would be a way better version of Batman. The, the, the mugger just gave Batman the gun and said, Bruce here, uh, you shoot your parents. And Bruce said, what choice do I have? And killed his mom and dad. And then still became Batman, of course. But yeah, I, I love that heroic alternate version of the story. Anyway, um, another thing we that we were supposed to touch on last week that got dropped from the podcast. Um, just a, a, a little context about just how, how much PS5 hardware sales are clobbering Xbox sales right now. So from VGC, PlayStation 5's outsold the Xbox Series console by around 2 to 1 by the end of 2023, according to data shared by GTA publisher Take-Two. In an investor presentation released last Thursday, alongside its quarterly fiscal or financial results, the company stated that there are 77 million current-gen consoles as of December 31st, 2023. Now, for reference sake, 
PlayStation's already announced that there are like 50 million PS5s out there in the wild. So just like just like Take Two did back in the Xbox One generation, where where Play, Xbox was also not announcing hardware sales back in those days, uh, we're able to dedu- deduce uh, where, where Xbox sales are currently at based on the numbers PlayStation has confirmed with the number of total current gen hardware that Take Two has mentioned. So taking 77 million current gen consoles subtracting 50 million of them from you know being confirmed as PlayStation 5s sold that means there's only about 27 million Xbox Series S/X uh consoles out there in the wild which means yeah PlayStation's out selling Xbox 2 to 1 also knowing that that 50 million number that PlayStation announced is probably a little dated because that's that's from like December and then Sony just had a uh, um, a quarterly earnings call where they announced that they're already at like two or three million past that number. So PlayStation's probably closer to like 55 million at this point. And uh, yeah, Xbox is at sub 30. So yeah, they're getting outsold basically two to one. And so it's just important to note that um, because I mean, some analysts have expected, a, a, you know, over the past 12 plus months that there were times where PlayStation 5 sales were beating out Xbox by nearly three to one. So, yeah, excuse me if I'm getting a little jumpy about the future of Xbox hardware. It's like Xbox is doing great shit right now, and they're still getting their asses handed to them when it comes to the hardware. So I don't want to give further fuel to the fire, further reason for people to not buy Xbox hardware, uh, for for Microsoft to inevitably and eventually jump in and say, stop it with the hardware. The games are making lots of money. The services are making lots of money. We don't need to be investing in hardware because... God damn, dude. I, I, I don't know what to say, man. I don't I, I don't know what to tell people. Like, I, I can't control people's purchasing power. People have the autonomy and the freedom to buy what they want to buy. PlayStation 5 is a great piece of kit, and I'm glad people are enjoying it. But, man, I play my Xbox all the time, and I'm like, you motherfuckers are missing out. This thing's great. It's great. It's great. And to the many, many people out there who like to always play the joke, play the joke about Xbox has no games. I don't know what you're talking about, man, because even the Xbox One years... When people were saying Xbox has no games, I couldn't find enough free time to say to save my goddamn life to play half the games I wanted to play. And I say this as remember, I feel like I'm a pretty decent authority on this because I was a diehard Nintendo fan for a very long time up through the Nintendo Wii U, mind you. And so I will say confidently as someone who survived both the Nintendo 64 years and the Nintendo Wii U years. Hell, I'd even throw in the Wii years because even though the Wii sold like crack, the attachment rate was ass and towards the latter half of that that generation, there was no support. I know what it's like to be on a a platform to be championing, rarely like big fan uh, of a platform that is just abysmal with the support and and the output and the content available on that platform. And no Xbox in the history of the brand has ever had as abysmal of an output as the Nintendo 64, the Nintendo Wii, the Nintendo Wii U. Hell, you might even throw in the 3DS if it weren't for the fact that 3DS really pulled it together in the last few years there with some really excellent games. Um, But, uh, I mean, goddamn, dude. I don't know. Xbox, it's good shit, man. PS5, good shit. Buy a PS5, love your PS5. But don't sleep on the Xbox, man. Don't sleep on it. Sleep with the Xbox. And then put a ring on it. All right, so we're going to mention Helldivers a couple of times this podcast. Uh, this is the f- one of three or four times we have to talk about it. So 
This is a little thing from uh, Windows Central I just want to pull. So in the wake of the massive success that has been Helldivers 2, um, there obviously there's been a lot of parallels and draws towards uh, ODST because not only is Helldivers 2 incredibly uh, uh, Starship Troopers inspired, uh, ODST is also Star Starship Troopers inspired and Helldivers has a lot of ODST aesthetic to it um, that has led a lot of people to be like, well, damn, Arrowhead, the developer of Helldivers, are not owned by PlayStation. Uh, it's just Helldivers, the game, is a PlayStation exclusive. So, you know, it'd be nice to get, like, Arrowhead to make an ODST game or, hey, what if Xbox found a developer to make an ODST game like this or maybe just an ODST game at all because people are hungry for other Halo games that explore other aspects of the universe that aren't Master Chief. And according to former 343 Industries senior game designer Kevin Schmidt, uh, though many ODST games have been pitched over the years, uh, never have any been greenlit. Notably, these include both single and multiplayer concepts, as well as both small and large-scale games. Apparently, one was very mature in the concept, or, or one was very mature. I don't know if that means the concept was far along, or if that means like the game was very M-rated. I don't know. Uh, quote, we have pitched 20 to 30 game ideas over 12 years that I was uh, that I I was there that would have totally worked in the Halo universe, revealed Schmidt, Schmidt on X. Many single-player, multiplayer, ODST-themed ones, some galaxy-spanning, some more intimate, and one that was really dark, LOL. So I assume the very mature one was very dark, the very dark one. Um, that hurts. That fucking hurts to see. And I hope and pray to God uh, that now that 343's Leadership and management has been so severely flipped and changed around in recent history that the possibility and the opportunity to see stuff like this finally get greenlit and to get other kinds of Halo games that explore the world outside of Master Chief story, you know, other than just Halo Wars. Um, let's, let's make it happen, man. I just Who doesn't want a Spartan Log game? Who doesn't want an ODST game? Who doesn't want to just, I don't know, like, you know the thing Disney does with Star Wars where they just milk the fuck out of the franchise to hell and back? Can we get a very tasteful, um, a very tasteful, not as over-the-top done version of that for Halo, for the love of God? And I, I'm trying to be careful with what I ask for here. I don't need you to make a million Halo games that all tie into Master Chief and the story of the Halo ring, because that's that's not fun. That's that's what's making Star Wars not fun. I, I, I just need you to expand this universe by making more games, new characters, new stories, whatever. Halo needs its Mandalorian moment, right? Halo needs its like, okay, this is a new character we can get behind with a, that can stand on its own and do its own thing and not be tied to the Jedi and not be tied to Luke Skywalker. Like, this is its own thing. Like, Halo needs that. And you can do that with an ODST character. Fuck, you could do that with Spartan Lock. You could do that with a totally new concept we know nothing about. But please, for the love of God, 343, I'm not asking you to make it. I'm asking you to find someone you trust and let them make a spinoff in the Halo universe because we, we need it. Please, for the love of Christ. All right. And then last, uh, oh, no, two two more things, but we'll go through them quick because I don't have much to say on these. Um, next, VGC says that the upcoming reboot of Crazy Taxi will indeed be a AAA game. Um, that's according to uh, Sega's Sapporo Studio, which is uh, a new team that's only been around for three years that's done various work on on uh, Fantasy Star Online 2 and Hatsune Miku, uh, Colorful Stage and, and games like that. They're working on the Crazy Taxi reboot and they say, uh, quote, we are, all, we are also participating in development of AAA titles, including Crazy Taxi. At present, we don't have any titles developed 
independently by our studio, but we intend to do so in the future. So they're working on a crazy taxi. They're not entirely responsible for it, but they are referring to it as a triple A team uh, as a triple A game. And to that, I say, we see a lot of people referring to a lot of games as things. They aren't uh, skull and bones, which just came out last week is was, was called a quadruple a game by ease Gilmont, the CEO of uh, Ubisoft. So to all this, I just say, I don't know how the fuck you make crazy taxi, a triple a game. In fact, I think so much of what makes Crazy Taxi a great game is it's incredibly double A and it's incredibly arcadey and simple and straightforward and and not over polished and overproduced and just pure fun and 90s adrenaline pumping through your goddamn veins as you listen to Offspring. And I think trying to channel that spirit and not the spirit of a triple A game would probably be the right thing to do for Crazy Taxi, but it's too soon to make these assertions. Let's wait and see more of the game. Don't fuck this up. Please don't fuck this up. All right. And lastly, I just want to mention, uh, this is a weird one. Windows Central was was, uh, was going pretty hard about this, really excited about this. And it is cool news, although this is just a game I've never had any interest in and really completely forgot about until this was announced. But from Windows Central, Gigantic is getting a second chance at life. Gigantic Rampage Edition is a new $20 version of the game complete with new modes, characters, and a revamped progression system. Gigantic Rampage Edition joins uh, upcoming Xbox games and upcoming PC games list on April 4th, 2024. So the game is is coming on April, uh, April 4th, and it will be on Xbox One, Series S and X, PS4 and PS5, which wasn't previously available on PlayStation, as well as PC, and it will be completely cross-play. Now, this edition is being developed by Abstraction Games and being published by Gearbox Publishing, so no affiliation with Microsoft or Xbox Game Studios in that sense. Uh, And additionally, it will drop the free-to-play model that the game previously had back in 2017 and instead be uh, released as a full buy-to-play game with additional content down the road. Yeah, this is crazy. This is like a MOBA-style hero-type game that came to Xbox One and PC back in like 2016, 2017. It was announced years before that and was kind of a game that had a lot of like Xbox push behind it and then didn't really do well at all and then shut down like a year later. Um, so this is it's kind of weird to see this game coming back, but cool. Like I, I, I like this because the game was taken offline. The game is unplayable, the original version of it. So it's cool to see it come back and in a way where it's just consumer friendly and it's the whole package for 20 bucks and just go enjoy it. Cause I, I, I love that the story of this more than anything, even though this is a game I don't care about, didn't care about then still not going to play it for those who care. This is a way to preserve the game, make it accessible to players, keep it going. And this is really cool that 20 bucks gets you all the shit and the game's alive and well. So I think this is really cool. I think it's really exciting. And for people who, uh, you know, for, for people who were fans of gigantic and, and uh, yeah, hopefully this game will have a better chance at life this time around for a good price point and with all the content and, uh, and, and maybe a little bit of nostalgic and curiosity uh, helping helping pump some interest into it. So that's everything I want to say at the top of the show. You guys, I say we uh, move on into the what I've been playing and then we can take a quick break and get into this week's news. I have a lot of things I've been playing because, again, last week we lost an hour of recording. So I have two weeks worth of games to talk about with you guys. And uh, while it's mostly been the same few games the past two weeks I, I do have a lot to say so excited to get into that but before I can tell you about what I've been playing this week I gotta tell you about what it is I've been eating you guys a little bit out of left field here I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast but I just want to say okay my girlfriend and I we live out here in the sticks out here in, in in good old not real Orlando Orlando Florida 
we're close to Disney, but we're not close to really much of anything else that matters. And so one of the things that unfortunately comes as a consequence is that uh, of that is that we are we are far away from all the all the good like not not like local Chinese takeout strip mall type places, but like I'm talking about real Asian food, like the where the Asian grocery stores are, the Asian bakeries, and the authentic, legitimate Asian restaurants, like all the Vietnamese spots and the Korean spots and and stuff like that. We're far away from it, and it sucks, and, and and we're constantly yearning for it. So the other week, we had to make the trek out to real downtown Orlando, real Orlando, proper Orlando, to go to the kind of like uh, whatever you want to call it, Chinatown part of part of uh, of Florida, of Central Florida, of Orlando, where all the grocery stores and, and and stuff like that are. And we went to this bakery called Light on the Sugar. I've been trying to get to for a while. It's been on my to go to list. My restaurants places I want to go to list for quite a while and we finally went there and a big reason I wanted to go there was because they have these things called mille crepe cakes uh, but not only did they have mille crepe cakes they had an ube flavored one so for a little context uh, for those who maybe don't know what these are mille crepe cakes it's like a French inspired Asian dessert it's really popular um, where it's uh, it's just like 20 layers of super fucking thin crepes um, made into a cake form and in between every layer is just like a cream, a different flavored cream. And it's uh, usually like the most common ones, like a matcha, like a green tea matcha flavored uh, crepe cake. Um, but the, this place does an ube version. And ube is that that sweet purple root vegetable that's really common, like Filipino desserts. Um, and it's it's a great, it's, it's one of the greatest dessert flavors of all time. And so they have a mille crepe cake that's ube flavored. And it's purple and it's beautiful and I had to have it. And we went out there to try it, and it was great. Um, the texture was actually a little disappointing. I've had far better crepe cakes before, but the flavor was like phenomenal, like 12 out of 10. It was so good. But, you know, it was like, it's been so long since we've been able to have anything other than like fucking chain restaurant food, typical American cuisine, or like Latin or Hispanic food. So like, we made a whole day of it. We just had a, a complete fat ass day. We went to two Asian groceries. No, we went to three Asian grocery stores, a Vietnamese restaurant, two bakeries, technically three bakeries like we went hardcore on this shit like we just buying groceries all the ingredients that we can't easily get access to uh, out where we live and just having a full-blown like asian day had all all the good shit and um one of the grocery stores we went to because a lot of these asian grocery stores also have like little bakeries and stuff in them as well one of these one of the 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 grocery stores we went to shout to emson which i think i might like more than lote at least for practicality purposes and price wise it's better anyway great grocery store um we went to emson in in little in little china off of uh, colonial in downtown orlando or i guess not downtown but you know real orlando whatever anyway they had a pre-packaged for two dollars and 79 cents little classic vanilla cream millet crepe cake so we got one there too because the bakery had them for like eight eight nine dollars a slice you know it's exorbitant modern day pricing but this this grocery store that had these little prepackaged ones for like two bucks. I was like, I was like, okay, they'll probably be okay for two dollars, for three dollars, right? They'll probably be just fine. So let's let's get one. So we got one, and when I ate it the next day, um, after we got home and everything, and and you know after a day of gorging, I ate I ate, we ate it the next day, and I was like, holy shit, this one is even better than the eight or nine dollar one we had at the bakery. This one was incredible. The texture, perfect. If you never had one of these melee crepe cakes, if you live somewhere that is moderately populated because usually in America to get to like good Asian food, you have to live in a densely populated city because it's always 
the Asian parts of town are always like kind of in the rougher areas of town. They always like build like a bunch of grocery stores and restaurants that are incredible, but in like the shittiest part of town. So you know what I'm talking about. If you live in like Atlanta or Houston or Dallas or, or Southern California or New York, you, you know what I'm fucking talking about. Anyway, if you've never had one, these Millet Crate Cakes, fucking phenomenal. They're so good. This, this one, the $3 one at the grocery store, the texture was perfect. It's that amazing crepe cake texture where like you can feel every single individual layer of all 18, 20 layers, whatever it is of crepes in your mouth. They're all paper thin and it's like texture wise, the most fun thing in the entire universe to eat. Like, like all good Asian desserts. It's not too sweet. Like a lot of like American cakes and in, in, in desserts where you just feel like you get a toothache and a, in a, in diabetes the second you bite into it. So it's like, it's, it's sweet, but not too sweet. It's indulgent, but it doesn't make you feel like a fat ass for eating it. And the texture and flavor is light and fluffy and airy, but you also get all those layers in your mouth and it's just so much fun to eat. So I just want to give a shout out to the Millet Crepe Cake. It's M-I-L-L-E. It's a French word. It means like million. It's a million layer crepe cake. Um, these things are incredible. If you've never had one, go have one. If you live, if you're lucky enough to live within an hour of like a Asian part of town, you can find them at a lot of bakeries because they're pretty trendy these days. You can find them at a lot of these grocery stores that have Asian baked goods in some part of the store. They're worth it, man. I don't care if it's $3 or $9. It's worth it. They're, they're freaking great. So shout out to the Millet crepe cake, shout out to the Asian grocery stores and, and restaurants and bakeries that I, I wish we had uh, easier access to. And that's it for what I've been eating this week. I just, just on my mind, but now for what I've been playing and to a much larger extent, you know what we should focus our attention on. I'm playing a lot of games. Unfortunately, at this point, it's been like over a week since I beat Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League that I just feel like I have a lot less to say about now because it's a little more in the recess of my mind. But I like Justice League, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League quite a bit. Um, I've put 14 hours into the game and I I do plan on going back and playing more. And then when season one comes out, jumping back in a little further because I think the fundamental gameplay loop in this game is fun. What happened is I really loved this game for the first half. And then for the last, the second half of the game, I still thoroughly enjoyed myself and it it was satisfying in the way I needed it to be. But a lot of this game started to fall apart for me in the second half because the premise of killing the Justice League is so cool. And the traversal of the game and the combat is really fun and satisfying. But the mission design is so incredibly vapid razor thin they run out of ideas for mission types so fast in the game that you have this really fun combat this really fun movement these four characters that are really fun to play as and this really excellent setting and synopsis and story and and premise and the two things are never married well enough that it all feels cohesive it's like a really fun game and a really fun synopsis and a really, really poor merger of the two ideas into one game. And that's the problem with Suicide Squad. That's why this game is like the perfect like 6 out of 10 for me. It's totally okay. It's fun to play. The cutscenes are great. It's a great game on sale. If it's like 30, 40 bucks, I think you can't go wrong. But it's just so disappointing when you have these godlike, incredible characters and these really fun these really fun tools you can play with and these characters you can play with where like, how are we going to kill Batman? How are we going to kill Superman? What a fun and creative exercise for developers to come up with. And what they actually 
come to the conclusion of in this game because it's confined by these live service elements and these very basic and, and just repetitive and uninspired um, mission designs and re redundant gameplay loops and everything. What you come to is 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 this this these boss battles and these anti these these climactic moments that end up being anticlimactic and underwhelming and just a little disappointing because the gameplay is fun. The story's cool, but the way they marry the two is not a good time. And so that's kind of my issue with Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Again, I still, from, from opening to credits, I still had a really fun time playing the game. And I don't regret it. It was very much weekend, fodder, junk food, superhero, garbage nonsense. That was just, that was just fun. But... It wasn't anything groundbreaking like the Batman Arkham games that came before it. So I get it. It's hard because it's hard because this game, unfortunately, because it is tied to the Arkham universe, is inevitably going to live alongside those games and by comparison always look weak. But if this game wasn't tied to the to the Batman Arkham games and it just was a one-off and it was its own thing in its own universe that had nothing to do with Batman Arkham, I feel like it would just be so much easier for this game to just be what it is. Kind of like how Gotham Knights is, where Gotham Knights is not nearly as good as the Batman Arkham games, but it's really fun and it's really entertaining and it's fine because it's detached from those games. And I feel like that's the biggest offense of Suicide Squad is that it is this severely anticlimactic, um, uneventful finale to a, a trilogy of games that is just so special and phenomenal. And it's a fun live service game, but a bad justice, but a bad DC game. And it's a great synopsis with poor execution. And so I'm enjoying it. I'm going to play more of it. I'm going to play the seasonal content. I'm excited for more story content. I'm excited for more characters and more things to do. Um, and I enjoy just, you know, losing an hour of myself here or there, just kind of playing this game. But I'm always going to wonder what if this game wasn't confined to being a live service game and it could have just been a really excellent single player experience that could have better served the excellent synopsis that 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 is you know the justice league having to be be murdered by the suicide squad so i don't know that's that's really just my my overall thoughts on suicide squad again i still recommend it on on sale and i think a lot of the a lot of the hate for the game is just kind of over overblown but a lot of the the fair there's a lot of fair criticism to be levied at the game and and I understand why a lot of people are passing on it at $70. So a little column A, a little column B overall. It it was exactly what I thought it was. It scratched my itch and satisfied my need for the 14 hours I played it and I'll come back to it later. Now, Helldivers 2 is the other game I'm playing. The game I've been playing more the past two weekends and uh definitely the game I have I guess more th more to say about it although I feel like I had more to say about last week than I do this week, just because the simple nature that, again, it's like Baldur's Gate 3, Elden Ring. It's like no one saw these things coming. Now, I don't think Helldivers is on that level. And and, and and it's important to keep in mind that Helldivers 2 is a big success, but it's not like a Fortnite-level success. It's not nearly like that. It's just a much bigger success than anyone expected, especially on PC. But it's just with, with how much everyone's talking about this game, how much of the conversation is is surrounding this? It makes me feel a little overwhelmed, and I just feel like I have 
not much to say, even though it's like, I guess I could talk about my experience with the game. I like Hell Divers 2 a lot. And the thing I was saying last week before I lost an hour of the podcast is that PlayStation, this is what I'm fucking talking about. More of this. Like, I like Spider-Man 2018. I loved God of War. Um, I like The Last of Us. I like the Uncharted games. I like all that shit. It's good shit. But, like, you guys have become so one note with these over-budget, over-the-top, overproduced, AAA, narrative-driven, dad-sad sim games. And while those games are great, it's like, don't forget to put some video games in the mix as well. Don't forget to put some games where you smack the bad guy on the face and go, hee-hee-ha-ha, and you play with your friends and you have fun, you blow shit up, and you get to play with guns, and you get to jump around. Because that's fun. And at the end of the day, video games are about entertainment and fun. And Helldivers 2 is a game, is a second-party exclusive for PlayStation that I think they so sorely needed. This is such a great get for PlayStation because this game is so fun. It is pure chaos, gameplay-driven, shenanigans, fun, gameplay mechanic-driven, just excellence. It is, it's great. It's great. I liked the first Helldivers a lot. I played it on the PlayStation Vita back in 2015, 2016 really liked the game and this game is basically everything that game was but now polished up budgeted up and put in a third person shooter experience and it makes all the difference it takes what was a great game and makes it a far more accessible far more approachable far more uh wide appealing great experience it's just so fun so I've been playing a lot with Cronky. We've been playing a lot with uh, with my stepbrother. We've been playing a lot on the weekends and trying to convince some other friends and people to get the game so I can play with some other people as well. Um, but yeah, this is... It's not every day I buy a game on PC, especially at launch, especially at full price, and it's not every day I buy a PlayStation game. And so I'm really happy and glad and proud to be able to say, yeah, I'm supporting Steam. I'm supporting PlayStation Day 1 with their new game because I want to support great games wherever they are. And this is just the kind of shit I want to see more of. Xbox, you guys could fucking benefit so greatly from a game like this, especially with the Halo ODST skin on it. Um, and the, actually, this is the most Xbox thing that uh, that PlayStation's had in so long. And in fact, it's it's kind of awesome to see because in a way we all want to see. I'm literally getting a, a notification right now that someone on my friends list is, is on Steam playing Helldivers 2 right now as I talk about it. But um, we, we all kind of want to see Xbox get a game kind of more like what PlayStation has with like God of War and stuff. And I feel like on PlayStation, we all want to see PlayStation get some more fun multiplayer friend driven fun experiences. Like what Xbox has with like, with like Halo and, and Sea of Thieves and stuff like that. And so to see PlayStation get a win with Helldivers 2 like that is, it's awesome. It's fun to see and it's it's fun to champion it and support it and be happy for everyone involved because it's it's truly an awesome fucking game. And so I love it, man. I, got, I just got my jetpack the other day. Jetpack's a little underwhelming, but um, I'm loving the fucking weapons in this game. The shooting just feels so satisfying. The weapons are excellent. I just got the SMG, which is phenomenal. I'm level 10. I'm about to get to the next tier of the battle pass um, so I can get that awesome automatic shotgun that I've played with a couple times. That's so good. Um, and just shout out to the, this is a $40 game. Anything you can buy in the store is like two, $3 US, super cheap. And the battle pass is included and very much easy to grind through by playing the game itself. This game is so respectful with the way it handles microtransactions and in-game purchases. And it's just, it's just so awesome. So I'm really loving this game. I'm loving the whole like live service element of like 
well, where can you play in the game right now? Well, it's dependent on what's happening in the real world, what what plans are being overtaken by the the community right now, and in getting to choose between like fighting the the bugs on 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 the one side of, of these planets, and then getting to fight the automaton Terminator type vehicle, um, enemies on the the red planet over on the left hand side, and the different play styles you get with the different enemies, and I, I love it, man. I just I fucking love it. I want to see this game continue to get more enemies, more planets, more equipment, more wacky and zany ways to interact with it because this is uh honestly this game kind of scratches the left for dead itch for me and not that this game is like left for dead but in just that it is pure fun. It's four player multiplayer shenanigans and it's just fun. It's just fun to go back and do it again, do it again, do it again. And that's what I love so much about Left 4 Dead. I love just Playing through the same campaigns again, again, again. Playing survival mode and trying to last as long as you can. Uh, no pun intended. And you know, and then in, in Hell Divers is a similar thing. It's like, all right, let's go back. Let's let's up the let's let's up the difficulty now. Let's try to do the fucking nuke launch uh, mission again, but we'll do it on the advanced difficulty this time. Let's see if we can make it and just go back. It's like, okay, well now I'm gonna play with this orbital strike and I want to I want to try the laser cannon instead of the the grenade launcher and and like all the different things. And it's like the toys are so fun to play with. The sandbox. He's so good. The guns, the equipment, everything. And getting to mix and match it all. And then playing with your friends. And like, all right, you're going to get the supply pack. You're going to get the laser cannon. You're going to get this. And trying to coordinate and, and be a little cooperative. But not cooperative in like a tactical, annoying, like fucking way. Where it's like, you're going to launch your your orbital strike on on coordinates. No, on latitude and longitude, this and that. Like, when, it's not like that. It's, it's a little more casual. It's like, hey, uh, I need someone to drop a thing over there while I go get these minerals over here. And then, you know, but, but then there's like a lot of forgiveness to the, to the fucking up of this game, which I need, I need that in game. Cause I'm not very good at games. So, you know, someone drops an orbital strike and you kill your buddy. It's funny as fuck. And then you got to revive him, and it's fun as fuck. And then your buddy revives and, and his drop pod is falling from the sky. And then he tries to land on you to kill you, to get you back. And it's just, crazy chaos ensues it's super fun you dolphin dive off a cliff to enjoy or to enjoy to avoid an enemy who's charging at you but in doing so you fall head first and you see like your ragdoll body bend and your neck like snaps and twists as you're like falling in the wrong direction then you get up and you shake it off and you only lost seven percent health because this game is ridiculous and so stupid in the funnest way and the other day we were waiting for the extraction we called in the extraction ship and i looked at one of the players on my team and he accidentally killed me earlier so i was like i'm gonna shoot him once i like i I don't think a headshot's a one-shot kill with friendly fire for some reason i was so confident it would take like three four five shots to kill this motherfucker so i popped him once in the head we were like standing right next to each other two feet apart and i scoped in his tiny fucking little skull and popped his head and his head just, it just popped like a watermelon in one shot. And it was just a laugh out loud moment because none of us were expecting it to happen. Laugh super hard. Stomach's hurting. It's like, holy shit, the, the drop ship is coming to pick us up. You just killed me, motherfucker. You better revive me so I don't miss my mission bonus. It's just like the kind of shenanigans and fun, but the gunplay is so good. And the and the, and, and the interaction with the enemies is so wacky and zany and fun. And and the, the camaraderie and the, and, and the fun you can have with your friends, it's just I haven't played a game like this in a while and it reminds me of those uh those glory days of like Black Ops 1 zombies and Left 4 Dead 2 and all that stuff and so Helldivers 2 is a phenomenal game it's it's it's, it's a, a ton of fun yes there's a lot of issues with server capacity with the unexpected demand the game has I haven't had too many issues with it really there's only one time it really became a problem um the only other thing I'll say about this is I did bust out my DualShock 4 from storage to try and play this game because I didn't want to play it with an Xbox controller. Um, 
Shout out to PlayStation for making the DualShock 4 such a fucking nightmare to use on a Windows PC. I had to give up on it eventually. That sucks. Um, so I'm using my Xbox Series S controller to to, to play uh, the game, which is really weird playing a PlayStation game with Xbox button prompts and stuff. But you got to do what you got to do. So I hope the DualSense is better at that, at playing nice with PC. But holy shit, man. Um, yeah, so you got Xbox controller all the way. But uh, yeah, man, that's that's the that's the big stuff what I've been playing. Aside from that, I just been dabbling with Game Pass a little bit. I've been playing Go Mecha Ball, which came to Game Pass a few weeks ago. It's that isometric twin stick shooter where you play as cats in a in a mech suit. I love this little like um, maze, this like maze driven twin stick shooter procedurally generated like uh, style game. It's super fun. The power upgrades are fun. I love twin stick shooters and and like kind of navigating the levels like they're like they're mazes. Uh, these little platforming mazes it reminds me a lot of this this uh, spinning top maze Beyblade game I used to play on the Game Boy Advance back in the day, and so it feels nostalgic and comforting while also just being a really fun, fun little game to unwind with a little like twenty minutes before bed, and, you know, play a little bit of that. I've been streaming it to my Xbox One, um, and it's just you know having a good time with with cloud streaming working really well on my Xbox One, and just playing a little bit of this game every night. So that game's been a ton of fun. And then also, my girlfriend and I have been playing Close to the Sun together. It's another Game Pass game that came out a few weeks ago. It's like a, um, it's like a like a steampunk kind of like old old timey um, like this this cruise ship, uh, or I guess like more like an ocean liner um, that was like this big grand vast thing. And then like your sister is like the science researcher who was on it, and then she like calls for you to come find her and come to the ship and then and then rescue her and then you get on board and you realize the ship is like haunted and there's some creepy murdery shit going on it's like this little four hour walking sim narrative driven like a little uh little horror experience and it's i I think this game's it's really cool it's budgety it's 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 you can feel it's rough around the edges it's very much a first outing from a new team and it's pretty cool it's like the kind of the perfect definition of like something that i wouldn't really want to spend 20 30 bucks on but I'd be really happy to spend four hours of my life playing this thanks to having access to it from Game Pass. And I like it a lot. It's really fun. Um, it's slow. The camera movement is slow. Um, some, sometimes the graphics are just abysmal. But, like, I don't really give a shit about any of that. It's fun. The atmosphere is good. And it's uh, it's just a really fun little, like, creepy, cozy game to play with my girlfriend and, and to just kind of, like, you know, get spooked over together. And so we've just been having fun kind of working through that. We're about halfway through that game right now. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's it for what I've been playing. It's just a lot of stuff. I'm dabbling a lot with Game Pass and I'll get to some of that in a little bit when we get to the news, the reason why. Um, because uh, I got some, I'm excited about cloud streaming. I'm really into the future of cloud streaming. So, oh yeah, I forgot to read this. Arctic Chief said, after you're done with the Arkham games, what are you going to look forward to the most? Something from the backlog or maybe something newer? Arctic Chief, I am a, uh, I'm I'm feeling it all. I don't want I want to go back to Arkham Knight because I want to do some of the side content DLC. I want to go back to Kill the Justice League because I want to play more of that game's post post game content. I feel like if I get to like 15, 20 hours in Hell Divers, I'll be satiated and I can kind of move on to the next thing. But I'm I'm overwhelmed and inundated right now because I'm very much in a game mood, like in the mood to play video games, and I'm kind of feeling everything. So I don't I don't know where I'm going to go next. Maybe the backlog. You know, I the first thing that always comes to my mind when I think about, like, what am I going to play next? I'm like, let's go into the backlog and play Mass Effect or Dead Space 2 or Resident Evil 4 or something like that because it's like I, I need to get those games knocked out. But I'm like, 
eh. I mean, I just got all the Batman Arkham games knocked down. That's a big accomplishment, so... Um, I don't know, man. It's it, I'm overwhelmed. I, I suspect next week I'll be playing very different games, though. I, I might get into Sea of Stars or Yakuza 4, though. I think probably leaning in one of those directions. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Tales of Arise just came to Game Pass. I'm kind of feeling like I want to get into something Japanese role-playing-esque, and I'll get into that a little bit why that is uh, when we start talking about cloud streaming a little more in the news. So let's take a quick break, come back, and we'll talk about the big stories of the week. Okay, so we got a couple stories to get through for the main news, mostly referring uh, or referring to quotes from Phil Spencer, replies from Phil Spencer on, on Twitter. So let's start off with some news about cloud streaming that seems pretty positive. It's something I'm actually quite excited for. So from Windows Central, use their write-up. Xbox Cloud Gaming is a service from Microsoft that gives you hundreds of games to play via the web, Windows PCs, Android devices, and some modern TVs. For 15 bucks a month, as part of Game Pass Ultimate, you get to choose between a truly huge amount of games to play on with remote hardware, uh, bypassing the need to have an Xbox console or a powerful gaming PC to experience it all. All of Microsoft's first-party titles are in there, including Gears, Halo, Forza, Flight Sim, and so on. And the selection of games from third-party developers are incredibly impressive. Xbox Cloud Gaming has steadily increased in recent years, and we've seen absolutely enormous queue times in certain games uh, as they go viral or go into the service, such as January's Pal World. Microsoft is, doubt, uh, is doubtless working to respond to the demand by boosting server capacity, and they may have their work cut out to meet the demand later this year if this latest news plans out as expected. A brief conversation between Xbox lead Phil Spencer shared by Hazard, uh, sorry, Hazador Gaming on X offered a timeline for one of xCloud's gaming one of xCloud Gaming's most demanded features, the ability to play your own games digitally. Responding to at Sbergs85 on uh, Xbox Live, Phil Spencer replied, should be this year to the question of when players would be able to access their own library from Microsoft's cloud array. Right now, if a game isn't on Xbox Game Pass, you cannot play it via the cloud. So it's kind of timely. So yeah, basically, as you know, Games that are available to stream via cloud are Game Pass games. And that's about to get more complicated because, as we just learned, this is another thing Jez Corden was talking about on Windows Central this week. Last week, we learned Xbox is bringing uh, Diablo 4 to Game Pass in March. But remember, as to to satiate uh, the CMA and all their silly, silly boy little uh, cries and concerns... Um, the Xbox had to sell off the rights to cloud streaming of Activision Blizzard games in order to get the deal through. So Ubisoft acquired all of Activision Blizzard's rights to cloud streaming versions of their games. So what this means is Diablo 4, it's coming to Game Pass next month, so you'll be able to play it if you're a Game Pass subscriber, but you will not be able to stream the game via cloud service because that is a separate thing that Microsoft has to license from Ubisoft in order to have access to put their own game available via cloud streaming. So that's a separate problem that apparently Xbox is currently working on a solution for um, to try and get that because Diablo 4 would be the perfect game to stream via cloud. So apparently there's already a work you know in progress for that according to Jez Corden and we'll wait to hear more from Phil Spencer or, or Team Xbox on that you know hopefully in the near future. But Aside from new exceptions to the rule like that, the general rule of thumb is 
if it's a game on Game Pass, you can stream it to your Android phone, your tablet, your TV, your other Xbox, whatever the case may be. But if it's a game you purchased and it isn't on Game Pass, you can't cloud stream it. So, for example, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. That game is not in Game Pass. It just came out a few weeks ago. I bought it for 70 bucks, um, the asking price for a video game. And the only way I can play that game is to download it to my Xbox Series X or S and play it natively off that console. I cannot stream it to my phone via the Xbox Game Pass app. I can't play it on my computer by streaming. I can't do any of those things. So apparently Xbox is working on a solution to that, which I feel like that's going to be interesting with with some third-party games if they'll have to get some kind of approval from the publisher in order to enable that because maybe the digital, you know, maybe buying a game doesn't entitle you to a digital license to stream it, but I guess maybe it does. I don't know. So I'm really curious to see how it's going to work out, but according to Phil Spencer, that's something they're working on this year, which would be absolutely huge. That would be such a great feature to add on there. So, so by that logic, um, games that come to Xbox that are not Game Pass games, will st- you'll still be able to stream them if you're a Game Pass subscriber. You'll still be able to have that feature for these kinds of games. Something about like another game coming soon that would fit that mold, right? Um, so like, I almost said MLB The Show, but that's going to be in Game Pass. So like when Grand Theft Auto 6 comes out, right? That's a game that's not launching into Game Pass at all, obviously. So you'll have to buy that game for 70 bucks. Um, but with this new feature enabled, you should be able, after you buy it for $70, you should be able to stream it so long as you're a Game Pass subscriber to your Android device or your tablet or whatever, your ROG ally, whatever the hell you use. So that would be a really exciting and compelling feature. And part of the reason why I'm so like keyed in on this news right now is because I actually just pulled the trigger on a Logitech G Cloud which is a device I've gone back and forth on for a long time. Yeah, man, I'm like, I'm, I'm really, I don't know. I think this, I, I, I very recently very much see the value in this because um, I don't know what's happening. I think there's, there's a thing that happens to a man when he becomes a homeowner and maybe more specifically when he becomes a homeowner who has to maintain their yard and acquires a lawnmower. But something has just fucking turnkeyed inside my stupid brain in the past few months where I just suddenly am in, in the mood constantly to watch sports. So I never liked football. I've been watching. I, I watched football basically the whole latter, you know, the whole last month or two of the season. Um, I love baseball, but I'm very I'm like extra excited for baseball this season. And uh, I love hockey, but I haven't watched hockey since I was like 10 years old. And oh, my God, the past two weeks I have watched. I've watched at least like one hockey game a day the past two weeks. I'm watching so much NHL right now. And so I don't know this whole weekend I was watching that. Um, I was watching that, that fucking Rangers Islanders game this weekend. And I was like, you know, it'd be so freaking cool as if I could just have like a PlayStation portal type device for my Xbox, um, because I wanted so badly to, to play, to play my Xbox while I watched hockey, especially during commercial breaks and stuff. And I've, I've been like really intrigued by that PlayStation portal ever, ever since it came out a few months ago. I know a lot of people are ragging on it. Oh, just buy the steam deck. Oh, just spend an extra hundred bucks. Get a steam. Shut up, dude. That's, they're different devices. They serve different purposes just because one of them has the other features. Doesn't mean it's the same type of thing, but like I, I envy the fuck out of the PlayStation portal. I think it's awesome. And I wish Xbox had an answer to that. And so I, I don't know. I, I, I wanted to get the razor. What was the razor version of it called? The razor edge. I almost bought one of those, but I don't like that. It's basically just a phone accessory slapped onto a generic tablet. And I like the 
Logitech G Cloud, but the main reason why I haven't gotten a Logitech G Cloud up until this point is because uh, Logitech partnered with Tencent to do some of the bells and whistles. I don't know what it is, if it's something with the the OS or some of the technology behind it. I don't know what it is, but they partnered with Tencent for that device for something, and I just don't want to support Tencent if I don't have to because um, I fucking hate Tencent. Um, so I've been like pretty hard on like, no, even though the Logitech G Cloud seems like the device I'd, I'd be most interested in because it has good battery life, it's light, it has great feel and controller, and then just streams all your Xbox shit, which is all I want to do anyway. I'm like... Uh, I still got to say no. It's a, 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 fuck Tencent. But then I saw they're selling like brand new factory, like refurbished models of, of the device for like 199 bucks on eBay. Um, and everyone's like, yeah, these are basically brand new models. They're beautiful. They're in perfect shape. They're in their packaging and everything. I'm like, ah, they're secondhand. So the money's already, you know, the device has already been bought. If I buy this secondhand, I'm not giving any money to Logitech. I'm not giving any money to Tencent. Uh, and, and I know it's kind of like a weird, like fucking pretzel, not logic to try and make it okay for me to buy it. But I finally caved and I ordered one of these things. So I don't have it yet. It's on, it's on its way. It should be here in the next day or two. Um, but I am very curious to try this thing out. I almost bought, actually, I already ordered on Amazon, the Razer Kishi. Cause I was like, no, I'll just use that. And then I realized that the Razer Kishi, I got the gen one doesn't fit my phone. My phone's too big for it. So I had to return that. And now I'm waiting on the Logitech G cloud to come in the mail. And I'm very, I'm, I'm anxious about it. I hope it works, but it seems like, you know, everyone who didn't buy the Logitech G Cloud has some bullshit to say about it, but everyone that did get a Logitech G Cloud is like, this thing's fucking awesome. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about it. As long as it is light and nice to hold like the Nintendo Switch, but has good controls and good grip, unlike the Nintendo Switch, um, and it can stream my Xbox games at good quality, that's all I fucking care about. That's all I give a shit about. So... I just want a device where I can like sit on the couch on a Saturday afternoon and watch baseball or hockey or whatever and be able to just play Yakuza 4 or something like in the background while I'm watching sports. Like that's that's all I'm looking for here and I'm, I'm very curious about this. So this is perfect because I'm thinking about Diablo 4. I'm like Diablo 4 is like the textbook definition of a game I want to play on like a streaming handheld rather than sit down on in front of a big TV and just play this top-down dungeon crawler on a console. Um, and then also just going for like, I don't know, there's so much Game Pass game. I, I want to try to be better about just like trying things out in Game Pass. And like, I always fantasize with the idea of like trying more JRPGs. I'm like, oh, maybe we should try Sea of Stars and Tales of Arise and finish up those Yakuza games I haven't gotten to yet because I've only played like half of them. And and I'm like, man, like having a companion device, like a, like a, like a Logitech G Cloud or PlayStation Portal type thing would be so, so great. And I can't justify like six, $700 for like the nicer model of the Steam Deck or for like an ROG Ally. Like the, the ROG Ally is a, a, it's a cool fucking device. Don't get me wrong. But like I'm not spending $700 on a absurdly heavy gaming PC that's portable with like a 1.2 hour battery life. Like I, I don't need that. I'm not looking for that. That's overkill. I don't care about my Steam library. I just want to just want to stream my Xbox games to a little handheld that's light and gets good battery and feels good in the hands. So I'm really excited to check this out. And uh, I feel like this timing is so perfect to be talking about this because I want to be able to, because I'm thinking about it, it's like, 
Kill the Justice League is the uh, is a perfect game is a perfect candidate for this kind of experience. I would love to stream a game like Kill the Justice League and just grind and, and get better weapons and better gear um, while I'm watching hockey or or fuck, fuck Destiny. You know, Destiny. Come back to Destiny and and, and and do some grinding in that. Get some better loot and stuff. And it's just it's just be so nice to have a little companion device. Lay in you know, lay in bed one evening and just you know, play a little Yakuza before bed and just have your little Xbox portable there. So I don't know. I, I love handheld gaming. I love the PlayStation Vita so much. I'm jealous of the PlayStation portal. I think it looks great. Um, I loved the Nintendo DS, 3DS, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color, all the Nintendo handhelds I grew up playing. Um, and it's just, it's something weird about the Switch where like, I really love the Switch in theory, but the Switch is just, it just doesn't do it for me. I don't know if it's because half the games are just ports of Wii U games I already played. I don't know if it's because the console feels like dog shit in your hands. The Switch Lite feels a lot better. I've held the Switch Lite. It feels significantly better. But, like, I just, I hate the fact that you feel the Joy-Cons, like, wobbling as you hold the Switch. It's, it drives me nuts. And, like, there's no proper grip. And the analog sticks feel so off. And, like, the placement. I hate it. I hate this. I hate holding the Switch. It's, it, it's a great idea for console. It looks great. You pick it up. It feels like shit. So I, I don't know. I'm really hoping the um, Logitech G Cloud works out for me. Like it feels great in the hands and it has good connection and everything. Uh, my internet is hopefully good enough for it. But uh, I'm really excited to give that a try. And I just feel like this is this is just perfect timing because these are the kinds of features that will keep... I can't speak for other people. This shit keeps me locked on Xbox. I love this. Because I, I, I think about it, it's like actually like stuff like the Logitech G Cloud and being able to stream owned games and Game Pass games... That's the stuff that that takes stuff like the PlayStation Portal and and makes that crap eat this thing's lunch because this is so much better having like the cross save and everything and the, or the cloud save and stuff like that where it's like I'm not streaming games from my PlayStation or from my Xbox I'm I'm streaming shit from the cloud it's boosting me it's giving me a really powerful PC giving me the best version of this game and then I have cloud save so I can play a little bit of it on a Logitech G Cloud and then play it later on upstairs on my series x and then play it later on downstairs on my xbox series x and it's just the same game same progress picking up seamlessly where i left off one one device to another that's that kind of shit where i'm like hey i'm cool with a a new evolving concept for xbox and i'm totally cool with the next gen xbox having like a powerful xbox series x type device along with like a proprietary xbox handheld switch like device like i think that shit's awesome I ch i'll champion it and welcome it all day any day i think that stuff's so great and this stuff feels like the beginning of that step in that direction clearly these handheld gaming devices it, it's 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 not taking over the industry you know i think this is still very much more of like a like a, a cush like kind of uh uh, luxury additive device for those hardcore gamers who want to splurge on it, but it is taking off and becoming more and more prevalent. You're seeing this stuff like all of these, all these companies are making their own kind of version of this, whether it's a streaming device or an accessory or gaming PC handheld, whatever the case may be. Everyone's making something Asus freaking Logitech, uh, steam, all, all, all the razor it's, it's, Lenovo just made that one that has like joy con type things. It looks awesome. So the Lenovo Legion Go or whatever it's called. Um, so it's like, I, I, I don't know, man. Like it's, this is, this is good shit. This is good exclusive stuff, features that are, are, are compelling to the Xbox ecosystem. I think if you can get to where 
a new game comes out, it's not in Game Pass, people go out and spend $70 on it, and they can still stream it to these different devices and all that stuff. That, that's that's that kind of shit that historically has always made Xbox so appealing. Superior operating systems, superior services, Game Pass, Xbox Live, party chats, private chats, achievements. Like At some point in time, all of these things have been exclusive to Xbox or done better on Xbox or Xbox did it first. Um, it just, it looks and works and it's, it's a great benefit for people in the Xbox ecosystem. And I feel like this is that kind of stuff Xbox needs to fo- focus more and more of their time on in order to strengthen the hardware and strengthen the brand and strengthen the, the users by locking them deeper into the community and ecosystem rather than being like, okay, PlayStation, here's, here's Indiana Jones and Starfield. Have a good day. Uh, so I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm excited by stuff like this and I, and I welcome it and hope that features like this will will just continue to add that value that makes people who are either on the fence or already ingrained in the Xbox ecosystem to be just be like damn this shit's this shit's good like I I don't know how I could leave this behind like I don't know how I could you know it doesn't mean you can't buy a PS5 but the kind of stuff that incentivizes people to continue to engage with and use Xbox and that's that's what I'm talking about all right next up um yeah I don't really know where to fit this one so this may feel a little wonky and out of place but let's go back to those game file newsletter uh Steven Tatilla's newsletter game file um his interview with Phil Spencer from last week and touch on something we didn't talk about last week that I wanted to make sure we bring up so during that 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 interview Phil Spencer was remarking on Helldivers 2 and the big success it's been for for PlayStation and what I put here is perhaps what's more interesting than than his remarks on Helldivers itself is is the contradiction and confusion confusion that you can detract from his statement altogether so this is his little excerpt his little statement it says I will say when I look at Hell, a game like Helldivers 2 and it's a great game kudos to the team shipping on PC and PlayStation I'm not exactly sure who it helps in the industry by not being on Xbox. If you were to try and twist yourself to say, like, somehow that benefited somebody somewhere, Phil acknowledged that the Xbox is still doing the same thing, though. He says, but I get it. There's a legacy in console gaming, and we're definitely going to benefit by shipping games and not putting them in other places. We do the same thing. Now, this was, yeah, this is basically what he, he Phil says in response to this idea of, like, hey, Helldivers is this big success it's on PlayStation. What do you think about like games like that? And like, should PlayStation, you know, should we expect, do you expect PlayStation to reciprocate and put their games on your platform? Like where, where do you fall on this? And this was Phil Spencer's response to that, which is just like, I, I don't really know like what the fuck he's trying to say here because we just got through this 20 minute podcast business update where he's talking about how like they're dedicated to the hardware and that there will still be exclusives and games like Starfield and Indie aren't, aren't leaving Xbox anytime soon. They're not going to other platforms anytime soon. And that's not in the plans right now. But then he's out here just afterwards in this interview. Like, I don't really know who it benefits to have a game like Helldivers not be on Xbox. It's like, if you're speaking from a consumer perspective, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, sure, more options for more people. That's great. But, like, you fucking know who it benefits. It benefits you. It benefits the first party. It benefits the console manufacturers and the people who have the ecosystem. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then he acknowledges. He's like, I get it. There's a legacy to that. And I know, like, 
Higher-ups at Microsoft have said that they don't like exclusivity like Satya Nadella. And Phil Spencer is kind of trying to prep people in a way to be more and more open-minded to the fact that not everything's going to be console exclusive and console exclusives will be less important in the future than they have been historically. But it's like, I agree with that, that in the future, console exclusives will be less important than they are today. But that's that's the future. That might be five years. That might be 10 years. That might be 15 years from now. I don't know. But today, console exclusives are a big deal. Because last year, Sony put out Spider-Man 2, and that sold a lot of PlayStation 5s. So, yeah, console exclusives are important. And last year, you guys put out Starfield, and that sold a lot of Xboxes and got a lot of people people to subscribe to Game Pass. So, yeah, I mean, console exclusives are absolutely incredibly important. They absolutely benefit you as the first party, as the console manufacturer, and as the platform holder. And they benefit, I would say they benefit the, the people who have invested in your ecosystem because the more you get first-party exclusive games, the more you get great games that justify the purchase of the console and give players great content to enjoy who are ingrained in that, that platform. And also you continue to value and 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 justify the purchase of the of the of, of your users by saying like hey we're going to continue to support this $500 box you bought with more great games for you to play as opposed to being like hey thanks for buying our $500 box here's a great game you can play that's also on the competitor's $500 box so like I don't understand talking like that and it's like I understand that he's like well in the future these exclusive games are going to have less you know less significance on the platforms yeah I agree with you I agree that one day freaking xbox and playstation probably won't exist as platforms at all and that one day you probably won't be able to buy an xbox because xbox will just be a brand an app a subscription a streaming thing just like playstation probably will be but that's so that's potentially we don't know none of us are our are, are mind read or future fortune tell whatever fucking none of us are psychics you know we don't know we don't know how far away that is but if we're looking at the here and now exclusives are absolutely important and I know a couple of you guys have written in about this, and, and this is a key example of, like, jump in the gun, Xbox, jump in the gun, Microsoft, here we are again. You got out of Windows, you got into Windows Phone too late, and you got out too early. Stop doing this to yourself. Stop advancing. Stop, we, we know what you're saying is right eventually, and where you're heading is an inevitable fate for all, but don't jump there. Like, fucking live in the moment and try to excel with where we're at now before you just, you know, because otherwise you're going to go too fast and people aren't going to see what you're doing and understand what you're trying to do and you're going to ruin it for yourself. You're going to freaking turn people off and, and push people away. So come on, man. It's, it's, it's just weird. I thought that, that those comments from Phil were kind of just all over the place. Um, And then last thing I want to talk about again with Phil it, are these comments from, from that game file interview again about physical media. So let me read this from VGC. Microsoft head of gaming Phil Spencer's claimed that getting rid of physical media isn't a strategic goal for Xbox, but its support for disc-based games appears to be unwavering. Legal documents leaked last September potentially laid bare to key elements of Microsoft's gaming strategy for years to come, including plans to launch an adorably all-digital Xbox Series X console, codenamed Brooklyn, that we expect to come out later this year for $500. Uh, Phil Spencer wouldn't discuss the leaked console in a recent interview with GameFile, but he did tell the publication that Microsoft will follow what the customers are doing. So basically what he's saying is we're not killing digital games or physical games. You, the consumer, are. <laughs> and here's his quote. We're supportive of physical media, but we don't need to, well, we don't need to drive that dis, uh, proportionally, sorry, but we don't have a need to drive that disproportion disproportionate to customer demand 
We ship games physically and digitally, and we're really just following what, what customers are doing. And I think our job is running Xbox at running Xbox is to deliver on the things that the majority of the customers want. And right now, a majority of our customers are buying games digitally. I think it's like 80% of, of consumers buy digitally uh, with games now. Uh, gaming consoles themselves have kind of become the last consumer electronic device to have a drive, Spencer told Game Files. And that is a real issue, just in terms of the number of manufacturers um, that they're actually building drivers, or they're building drives, uh, and the costs associated with those. But I will say the strategy does not hinge on people moving all digital um, and getting rid of physical. That's not a, st a strategic thing for us. So what he's basically saying is like, hey, people are buying, you know, in summation, people are buying digital disproportionately to physical, and these physical components to build you know, to get these drives in the boxes drives up the cost. They're expensive components for for a feature that very few people are even going to use. The thing is, this is one of those things. It's different. I remember when Apple took out the disk drive on a MacBook Pro, and I was one of the people who was like, this is stupid. This makes no sense. Why would you take away a feature? Um, but I was too stupid to see that we didn't need it and that the device got better without having a physical disk drive. And I was wrong. And computers pretty much all don't have disk drives today. And they're all th thinner, sleeker, nicer, quieter, better because of that. But I don't think hard drives on gaming consoles is one-to-one -one with, uh, or disk drives, not hard drives. One-to-one -one with disk drives on laptops. I think disk drives on gaming consoles are more akin to like the headphone jack on iPhones and when those went away. Because even though... I support taking the headphone jack away because you get a more waterproof dev device and because earbuds and my Samsung buds and all the different e wireless earbuds we all use nowadays are so much better than wired earbuds. There's always going to be that contingency of people, especially in the smartphone space, who are like, bring back the headphone jack. I'm sure everyone knows at least one of those people who's like, oh, I buy the blah, blah, blah phone because it still has a headphone jack. I can't believe Apple and Samsung are taking away the headphone Bro, no one gives a shit about the headphone jack, but there's always going to be that that loud minority of people that want to bitch and moan about that headphone jack. And I feel like that's what the disk drive is becoming for gaming. And I, I'm not championing either this idea of like it being impossible to buy physical games, but like it's so weird that there's like a feature that like less than a fifth of, of, of owners want in a console or use in a console, but we keep demanding we have it and that, and that we pay for it and have included in the console. And it's weird because it's like, it seems like, like even anecdotally, like, like I have a buddy who doesn't play games very much at all. And he bought an Xbox series S last year, but only after like two years of me consistently telling him like, Man, you don't need the Series X. It's just a bunch of extra money. Bro, you play Call of Duty for like 15 hours a year and Forza for like four hours a year. You don't need to buy a $500 Series X, man. Get the $300 model. You'll be more than fine. And his big hang-up was the disk drive. He's like, yeah, but then I can't play all my old games. I'm like, you're never going to go back and play Forza Horizon 3 when you have Game Pass and access to Forza Horizon 5. Like... Bro, just get the $300 box, save the money, have the sleek device, just fucking enjoy enjoy this. Trust me, you're going to love it. And he does love it, but I hear anecdotes like that all the time from people where they're just like, I don't want the digital PlayStation 5. I don't want the Series S. I want I need the disc drive. I need the disc drive. I, I need the oh, I need to watch Blu-rays and stuff. It's like I'm not saying people don't use it and that it's not nice to have, 
but like, come on, man. Like the, the data is there. We know people aren't using it that much. It's like one of those people want to have it there. And, uh, I don't know. I think, I just think it's weird. Um, I, I, I don't like the idea of console manufacturers pushing us away from having physical versions of games release. I like the idea of people always having the option to buy a physical thing. But um, I, I just feel like consoles having the disk drive baked into it is so unnecessary. I feel like it should just be like laptops. Like, do you need a disk drive for whatever reason? Okay, buy this $30, $40 accessory. It's a little portable disk drive. You plug it into your console via USB and you can plug a disk in if you want to use it that way. Like, that's all That's all we need to do. Problem solved. Like, consoles don't need disk drives. It makes the console cost more money. It it makes the console bulkier when it doesn't need to be. It makes it more complicated than it needs to be. And most people aren't using it. So let's save some fucking money and get rid of them already. I don't know. That's that's just where I am. But whatever. I understand. I'm not again. That's not a comment about physical media. That's about the disk drive on the console itself. Although I understand one incentivizes the other. So that's that's a fair argument. All right. That's really it for all of our news this week. You guys, we got a little wrap up here for Game Pass. A little update. So some new games coming and leaving Game Pass. That uh, little surprise news here. So Return to Grace is available now on Game Pass, uh, as well as Tales of Arise on cloud console and PC. Now, this is a game that was rumored to be coming to Game Pass, then wasn't confirmed, and then now is retroactively being added. So glad to see it's there. This is definitely a game I would like to try via cloud. Um, And then also coming soon uh, is Bluey the video game coming to Game Pass. Uh, Maneaters coming, I think coming back to Game Pass. Uh, It's a Ubisoft short game that apparently is pretty good, but I never played it. That'd be a fun little couch game. Uh, Madden NFL 24 is coming to cloud via EA Play. And then in- Indivisible is coming cloud console and PC on February 28th. On February 29th, we got Space Engineers on cloud console and PC. And finally, on March 5th, Warhammer 40k Bolt Gun comes to cloud console and PC. This is a game I will definitely love to stream via cloud uh, on a Logitech G Cloud. I own Warhammer 40k Bolt Gun. I bought this game when it came out last year. If you like Doom games or boomer shooters or whatever the fuck you want to call them, do yourself a favor, play Warhammer 40k Bolt Gun. This game is so fucking good. I love this game. So uh, I, I cannot say enough good things about that game. That was one of the biggest little pleasant surprises of, of, of last year. I just really adore that game. So uh, also leaving February 29th, Madden NFL 23, not a, or not NFL 22. Uh, we're getting 24, but 22 is leaving. And then Soul Hacker 2 is leaving Cloud Console and PC. So make sure you download it, try it out now before it's gone if you wanted to give it a go. That's going to bring us to our last news segment, the important enough news. Stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions, which we got to start out with our layoffs of the week. The good news here is that there are fewer layoffs this week than usual or what we've been seeing lately, but Build a Rocket Boys reportedly made an unconfirmed number of layoffs. The Edinburgh based studio which has been helmed by former GTA producer Leslie Benzies, announced staff cuts internally on Monday, according to PC Games N source. While it's unclear how many employees have been let go, the site claims the layoffs uh, notably affect the publishing department and QA and art teams. So, of course, thoughts go out to all those people who just got fucked by more layoffs. Next up, Bandai Namco and From Software released a debut trailer for Elden Ring's highly anticipated expansion, Shadow of the Erd Tree. What the fuck? Uh, the trailer's out now, and the DLC comes out on June 21st uh, for Xbox One, Series, and PC. Um, is, I believe it's... Fr- is this free? No, it's $40. I'm an idiot. Why did I think it was free? No, it's $40 DLC. So it introduces a new story with deeper RPG features. Um, also from software-related, 
this was last week. Um, From Software has acquired the naming rights to Elden Ring uh, or the trademark for Elden Ring from publisher Bandai Namco. According to a recent unearthed U.S. uh, patent and trademark office assignment document, ownership of trademarks switched between the companies in March of last year, about 13 months after the game came out. However, the trademark transfer appears to cover the game's name only. Hogue Law Attorney, this is from VGC, Hogue Law Attorney Richard Hogue told VGC that it would not be a transfer of what we think of as the game itself, although it could have occurred separately. The transfer of IP like Elden Ring, uh, which is copyright protected, would be done by contact and not necessarily require public registration. Um, so this could just be the name or the IP itself, but not the game. So we, we don't fully know yet, but... I mean, good on good on uh, from software for being able to acquire that. That's a huge thing to be able to ha- keep to yourself. I wonder if Bandai Namco sold it uh, because uh, profits are down and they want to make some money. I, that's that's interesting. Uh, and then uh, a couple other quick ones, two more. Remedy has confirmed that they plan to grow and continue to work on the Alan Wake franchise following the success of the new game. After struggling for over a decade to make a sequel, uh, Alan Wake 2 is finally released last October with critical acclaim. In addition to winning a lot of awards, Remedy said on Friday that Alan Wake 2 has sold 1.3 million copies, making it the studio's fastest selling game. They said, quote, we're happiest uh, with the start of Alan Wake 2 sales and uh, the price point has also remained at a high level and the game has already recouped a significant part of its development and marketing expenses. Uh, we will continue to develop the game to serve existing fans and attract new players and expect the game will continue selling well. This is important to note because when this game came out last fall, a lot of the reports were that the game was selling soft and wasn't doing very well. And now they're saying it's a sales success over 1.3 million sold. It's the fastest selling uh, game remedies ever made, which all sounds really good, but it's important to note that they say here that the game has already recouped a significant part of its development and marketing expense. It doesn't say that the game has made back its budget and made a profit. It says it's recouped a significant amount of its development and marketing expense. So that sounds like the game hasn't turned a profit, which is pretty bad. Uh, we know that Remedy traditionally is able to make do with lower sales on their games because they they are able to make these games at a decent budget. They they usually put a pretty good price on these games, and they don't you know they they don't make. 100, 200, 300 million dollar games like a lot of these AAA games we get today, they make 50, 60 million dollar games. So it is weird. I feel like we're being told one thing, but it's not the whole picture. I feel like this game is somewhat of an underperformer, but it's being marketed in a different way. But I, I, I don't, we don't fully know here. So I want to keep an eye on that. I, I hope it did well. I hope they made lots of money. I loved Alan Wake 2 so dearly, and I would love to see more from that that universe. But man, just uh, I don't know really what to make of that. And then finally is an announcement that was made at the Nintendo Switch Direct today that has me very excited. Basically, my favorite Star Wars thing is coming back in a, in a really exciting way. So from VGC, Aspire have announced that Star Wars Battlefront Classic Collection is coming. Announced on Wednesday, the collection will be released for Xbox consoles and PC via Steam um, on March 14th, so next month. And it'll, of course, come to other platforms as well. Uh, the package will include all original bonus content from the 2004 and 2005 games and support cross-platform play with up to 64 players, according to the developer. Battlefront Classic Collection will also include the original single-player campaigns, which are based on iconic battles from across the Star Wars movies. Finally, the new collection will include support for two-player split-screen plus trophies and achievements. The package will include the following. 
Star Wars Battlefront, the classic gaming, which includes the bonus map Java's Palace, as well as Star Wars Battlefront 2, which includes bonus maps Bespin, Cloud City, Renvar Harbor, uh, Renvar Citadel, and Yavin 4 Arena. Classic. Includes bonus heroes Asajj Ven- Ventress and Kit Fisto. Um, Kit Fisto sounds like a porn name. Uh, but anyway, I don't care about that extra shit. I don't care about the extra characters. I'm hyped for this, man. I, I know I like to say some some mean shit about Star Wars from time to time. I love the original Star Wars Battlefront games, and uh, I have such fond memories of renting these games again and again and again and again from Blockbuster and playing them on original Xbox and on PS2 just constantly. And I have very fond memories of playing the um, the PSP ones that they came out with in like the mid-aughts, like what was it, 06, 07. Um, God damn, I, I love the old Star Wars Battlefront games so, so much. Um, and I, I no, no disrespect to the, the newer Star Wars Battlefront games. Uh, just they, they don't scratch the same itch. And I'm so hyped to get these back. In fact, I'm a little conflicted because I feel like these games would be absolutely superb on Nintendo Switch. These games are begging for Nintendo Switch. And I would love to be able to buy it on Xbox get trophy support or trophy get achievement support and then be able to play them in handheld mode by streaming them to like a Logitech G Cloud however owned games aren't available for cloud streaming yet so this is a game that will benefit greatly from that feature when it comes later in the year so um I don't know Switch PlayStation Xbox doesn't fucking matter I'm super excited for this collection. This is a day one purchase for me. March 14th. I don't know how much they're charging for it. I, let me see if it says somewhere in the article. Maybe I missed that. Yeah, it, I, it doesn't say the price. Interesting. I, I assume it'll be between 20 and $40. But, man, this is fucking worth it, dude. Absolutely worth it. I, I'm genuinely... This is my favorite Star Wars. Not Disney Star Wars. Not old school classic Star Wars. But that weird... It's like... Everything we got around the prequel movies, I guess it's just because of my age that I'm nostalgic for it, but it's like the prequel movies are whatever, you know, episode one, I kind of like episode two sucks ass episode three. I kind of like, but it's not the movies that are special. It's like all the video games and toys and media we got around those movies. I just, I really love that clone where clone wears that clone wars era aesthetic and like fucking clone troopers and and episode three and all that shit like that, that stuff's nostalgic to me in a fun way. And, uh, dude, I, I just feel like, I don't know, man, I are the original star. I'm saying this as, as not a star Wars fan. So if you're a big star Wars fan, don't get offended, but are the classic star Wars battlefront games, the best thing to ever come out of the star Wars IP, including the films. I don't know. That's, that's a question that, uh, <laughs> I have to, I guess, ask myself and think about late at night when I'm in the shower. I don't know. But I'm super excited for that. March 14th. Hell yeah. All right, guys, that's it for all of our news this week. Now it's time to round out the podcast with our favorite section, the best section, the only segment worth a damn. The comments, the shout outs from YouTube.com. You know how it works. You head on over to YouTube.com. Look up the Xbox on podcast. That's at Xbox on podcast at YouTube.com. Click on the latest episode of the podcast and drop a comment. You can say anything nice, anything mean or anything in between. Uh, we got some, we got some, this was a fun week, uh, cause it was one of those weeks where the title of my podcast definitely caught the attention of, uh, of a couple of, uh, internet trolls and terminally online people. And so we got definitely some comments from people who have never listened to the podcast, definitely didn't listen to last week's podcast. 
but saw the thumbnail, saw the title of the podcast, decided to click, give a thumbs down, leave a nasty comment, and then click off because they have literally no life if they're gonna if they're gonna do something like that. So we got some comments this week that were like, Ugh, "Fuck you, you guys, you Xbox fans. Of course you overreacted. Nobody cares what you think. Uh, everyone knew that Xbox fans were delusional. Keyboard warrior. So got some comments like that, which was uh, cute, but." Those people don't matter. They didn't actually listen to the podcast, and they're definitely not listening to me right now. So, ha ha ha. They don't know that I played Helldivers too. Anyway, let's go on to the eight comments from actual human beings who I enjoy the comments uh, of the comments that you write in. I enjoy them because they have uh, things to read that we can then discuss. So, starting off with HD Hobbs. This is not your classic Hobbs. This is not the Hob It's. This is not Calvin and Hobbs. This is. High Definition Hobbs, who writes in and says, Gotta say, I really look forward to listening to the show every week. You have a very unique perspective. Keep up the great work. Five stars. HD Hobbs, High Definition Hobbs, 1080p, 4K, 60fps, uncapped frame rate HD Hobbs. Thank you for the comment. That's super kind. I appreciate you writing in. I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate five stars. Thank you so much. Uh, Looks like this is your first time writing in, so I appreciate you taking the time. Hope you continue to enjoy the podcast, and please... Not only do I want you to have a blessed day, not only do I want you to have an excellent day, but I hope when you're leaving Walmart later on this afternoon because you forgot ketchup, and I'm not going to judge you for buying ketchup. It's, you like it. I don't. It's okay. I can live with that. You're going to walk out of the grocery store. You're going to walk to your car, and you're going to see that someone left a flyer on your windshield, and you're going to go, oh, shit, I hate these guys when they leave the flyers, the Jehovah Witness or the fucking uh, sca- like marketing scams or something like that. You're going to be like, ah. And you're going to go grab the flyer and you're going to realize, oh, wait, it's not a flyer. It's not a business card. It's not an ad. It's a it's a five hundred and seventy six dollar bill. Authentic U.S. And you're going to hold it to the light and see that's legit. And you're going to take it to a bank and they'll say five thousand seventy six dollar bill. I haven't seen one of these in a while. And they're going to cash it. and It's going to go straight into your account because, baby boy, you're getting paid. And I hope that happens for you. I hope that happens so good for you. So thank you for writing All right, let's talk about some additional audience perspective on the happenings of Xbox, what's going on right now with the brand. Sam Frito walks walks in, writes in. uh, Sam Frito, heir to the Frito-Lay throne, and says, we need Xbox to remain console-oriented, but that's just my opinion. And yeah, I got a little sensitive over Xbox games going to other consoles, but it's just a damn underdog uh, spirit Xbox draws out of me. We need Xbox or else the console market will have these last two companies pouring out old games for us to rebuy every gen. Great podcast, amigo. Um, that's actually a good point I hadn't considered. Everyone's guilty of the remaster collections and remakes and stuff, but Xbox is definitely the least guilty of that. Xbox, you know, we got Master Chief Collection, but I would argue Master Chief Collection is pretty damn warranted. Like, it's great. It, it makes games that are no longer online accessible, and it puts all the Xbox or, or the, all the Halo stuff in one place and allows it to be a, a platform and a service that lives on indefinitely. So stuff like that is kind of an exception, but you're right. PlayStation's just... PlayStation's out here fucking remaking two-year-old games every every two years. Like, they can't make a new game because it's like, we got to remake the game from two years ago. And th- that shit, th- that makes me so sad. Like, the, the rumors of, like, a Horizon Zero Dawn remake, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? But also, I don't blame PlayStation because people are buying this shit. Dude, The Last of Us Part Two is getting a remake? What the fuck is happening? Can you imagine if right now Xbox is like, 
Just kidding. You're not actually getting Avowed and, and Indiana Jones this year. What you're actually getting is Halo Infinite Remastered. Can you fucking imagine? Anyway, and then Nintendo. And Switch has gotten better. I got to give Switch credit. Switch has amassed a very unique and varied library. It's had a very Nintendo 3DS trajectory where, where I would say Nintendo Switch had kind of a dog shit library for about half of its life cycle. But it's gotten good. They've gotten a lot of unique games over time. But yeah, for a lot of Nintendo Switch's lifespan, it was just like, hey, did you play this game on the Wii U? Didn't think so. Here it is again. Hey, did you play this game on the Wii? Didn't think so. Here it is again. Which, in all fairness, I mean, people, at least in the case of Nintendo, people didn't actually play those games. So even though it was a remake, it was, you know, at least an opportunity for people to experience it for the first time. I just played The Last of Us Part Two two fucking years ago. What are we doing? Was it three years ago? What year was Last of Us Part Two? Holy shit, that was 2020, wasn't it? All right, it was almost four years ago. All right, maybe it is time for a remake. Fuck me. God damn. All right, Mike Clark writes in and says, the irony is we also once again have no real confirmed plan for Xbox. That's actually a great point. They have new hardware this holiday. Great. But uh, buy your hardware, or sorry, you said, but your hardware is down compared to even the Xbox One. They have said next gen will be an even bigger leap. Right. Uh, right when they've also just basically admitted they hit the glass ceiling and budgets are too big to recoup and the industry isn't growing anymore. So let's make that problem worse with even more horsepower that will sell at an even greater loss. This is actually, I think, really great analysis, Mike Clark. This is actually genuinely great stuff. Uh, and then you said, and then in a separate interview, Phil Spencer said he couldn't actually rule out games going multi-platform in the future. Pick a lane, Phil. Uh, yeah, dude, really well put, actually. And I want to speak to specifically that, the whole... It kind of pisses me off though because Xbox has always been kind of like the like the powerhouse console in a way like they've always marketed themselves that way, and then ever since Phil's era, it's gotten especially that way with Xbox One X and Xbox Series X, and now this next gen Xbox they're already teasing is going to be the biggest leap ever, which is already kind of like misleading because. While on a technical level, I'm sure the next Xbox, let's say Xbox Series Z or whatever, is going to be the biggest technological leap forward of any Xbox, doesn't matter. It's like diminishing returns at this point because every time we get a new console, yeah, games look a little prettier. It has more transistors in the box and they can process more facial animations and more beads of sweat, but... Does that look as impressive as the jump from Super Nintendo to the PlayStation 1? Does that look as impressive as the jump from the PlayStation 1 to the original Xbox or the jump from the original Xbox to the Xbox 360? No. Nothing looks that good anymore. So it might, on a technical level, be the most technologically advanced thing we've ever seen, the biggest leap forward in gaming. But if it doesn't look like the jump from Super Nintendo to the Sega Dreamcast or some shit like that, who gives a shit? It's just more games. Also, and more important to your point, Mike Clark, yeah, you're right. Because this is the thing we're seeing constantly. is like, games are too expensive to make. We gotta scale things back. We gotta stop spending a billion fucking dollars on motion capturing. Uh, think about it. It's like, every game, in every fucking game, the actor is Troy Baker. But every game is like over budget by a billion dollars because we keep mo-capping every fucking actor. 
Why is every video game studio spending a million, billion, trillion dollars on mo-capping Troy Baker again and again and again? Dude, we've already motion-captured the man. Just reuse the asset, man. Come on now. They need uh, Troy Baker motion-capture assets need to be public domain at this point. Petition. But no, um, I, I think, no, you're exactly right. And this is why this is why I feel so upset in a way at, at audiences about games like Avowed because you get a lot of that, that toxic energy we need to work towards changing the narrative on, which is like people see Avowed and they're like, oh, the art style is too, too cartoony and the game looks like something that came out in like the early Xbox One years. It looks a little janky and like the graphics aren't that boundary pushing. It's like, Dude, shut up, shut up, shut your fucking mouth, shut your stupid fucking mouth, you idiot. Wouldn't you rather have a game like The Outer Worlds or like Avowed that's like super fun and has great character dialogue and an open world to explore and great RPG action elements and it's like it's like a Skyrim Fallout New Vegas style obsidian awesome thing that we all want to play. Wouldn't you rather have that than like, oh, it's Dude, I saw that report, that thing about the in the Insomniac leaks about Spider-Man 2. That game apparently cost more than $300 million to develop. How the fuck is that possible? They already made the fucking game with the first one in 2018. They already had the, the art assets, the characters, the whole map of New York already made. And then they made an interstitial game in 2020 with Miles Morales. So how between those two games did you not have enough to just build a newer, shinier, better version of the same fucking game. How did you get, how in like three or four years did you spend $300 million making a sequel to Spider-Man 2? I'm sure you can see so many fucking pimples on Peter Parker's teenager face. I'm sure. I'm absolutely positive. But like, I don't know, man. Don't you want the game that's like, it looks good enough because I see a game like Avowed and it's like, you're right. It, it does not look as impressive from a graphical and animation standpoint as a game like Hellblade 2 or The Last of Us. But I literally couldn't give any fewer fucks about that because, and this isn't a, a value judgment on Spider-Man as a video game and how fun it is because I can't wait for Spider-Man 2 to come to PC so I can play it. I'm sure it's great. But like, oh man, like... I. I'll take I'll take like it looks good enough and is super fun to play and it only took like three years and 120 million dollars to develop over uh oh yeah in three years we managed to waste a trillion dollars and uh we got uh we got freaking Troy Baker's ass cheeks to look just fucking swell rendered on the SSD and the PS5 and the fucking PlayStation Plus like chill the fuck out man are you are you are you kidding me we, we need to condition these smooth brain motherfuckers. I, and, I, and it's not, I feel like this is Sony's fault, but not intentionally. This is Sony's fault, like inadvertently, where it's like, there's this fucking toxicity and this rot among hardcore gamers where it's like, oh, that game doesn't look as good as God of War Ragnarok. Oh, that game doesn't look as good. Like what's another, what's a non-Sony game that came out recently that looks really good. The graphics are really good. This is kind of Sony because it's exclusive, but it's not. Final Fantasy VII Remake or Final... What is it, the new one? The Retrograde or the fucking F Children Rising or what? The new Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two that's about to come out. Looks phenomenal. The graphics are amazing. You know, Dead Space Remake came out last year. Looks phenomenal. Whatever. 
I don't care, man. I'm going to be honest with you. I was actually listening to my, my PlayStation uh, boyfriend podcast that my girlfriend calls it, uh, Sacred Symbols, the Colin Moriarty uh, Last Stand Media podcast. I love that show. And uh, one of the hosts, Chris Reagan, actually made a really great point where he was talking about fidelity in games and how, like, he, he, he doesn't care. And I, like, I feel like he put it so well where, like, I, I couldn't agree anymore. Where he was talking about, he's like, we pour all this money and all this time into motion capture and all these animations. It's like, just just make the games faster and spend less money on the games by just not making them look so pretty and not mo-capping a billion death animations for every character. It's like, who gives a shit? Because you look at games from like the Xbox 360 generation and you go, yeah, this game still looks good. And it's like, dude, I felt that so fucking ba- so bad when he was playing it because I just played through Batman Arkham Asylum, City, and or and Night. And Batman Arkham Knight, an Xbox One game, of course, um, still looks better than like 99% of games that came out today. And it's like nine years old. And then Batman Arkham City and Arkham Asylum, which are Xbox 360 games, to me, look so good that I continuously forgot throughout my playthroughs of those games that these games were Xbox 360 games because they just fucking looked good enough. I didn't care. I just didn't give a shit that when Batman died, he fell down the same way both times he died and that he didn't have like 47 different death animations and that Troy Baker didn't fucking do a, a jaw drop animation when, uh, I don't know who Troy Baker's probably in one of those games. I don't know who he plays, but I'll be fucking damned if he's not in one of those games. So I don't know, man. It's like games looked good enough in the Xbox 360 generation. They still have aged really well for the most part. And um, I play so many. I, I probably play as many Xbox One games as I play Xbox Series games. And I have no problem with the with the presentation, the graphics. So it's like, I don't know, man. They, they desperately need to scale back how big we're making open worlds and how much money we're putting into motion capture and animations and graphics because none of that shit matters, dude. None of it matters. Like, it's nice when a game looks pretty. I mean, the games I usually care about fidelity the most on are, like, racing games. Like, sure, I hope the next Forza game looks beautiful, but, like, I don't know, man. Like, how much better does it need to look, man? (laughs) Like, come back. Look at Nintendo. The Nintendo Switch runs off the freaking Nintendo switch has the processing power of a $15 SpongeBob watch for kids ages four to seven. And every game they put out on that platform sells like 87 million units. No one cares about fidelity. All right, Xbox, just make, just make, make hardware. That's good enough. Although I think a lot of, uh, to be fair, as we wrap this up, I think a lot of what they're bragging about with the leap, you know, the leap in technology or the biggest leap ever. I think they're teasing AI stuff to be fair. It's not just the, how, how good games will look. It's about AI and cloud um, server stuff and shit like that. So I think, I, I think that has a lot to do with what they're bragging about. All right. Next up. Kronky says, uh, also, uh, he says, let me read this backwards. I am now convinced that the reason behind axing Xbox Live and making it all Game Pass was to inflate Game Pass numbers to make the senior Xbox leadership team look good, since clearly the subscription service has not been growing like it needs to. I agree full-heartedly and assume you're 100% correct, although apparently people insist that, that the number of Game Pass subscribers that were 
that that were just Xbox Live subscribers but are now lumped into the Game Pass uh, number is relatively low. I, I call bullshit on that because Xbox Live has had a shit ton of subscribers, and of course, a lot of them upgraded to Game Pass um, back when that was an option, but... I mean, your cheaper option is always going to be the more popular thing. The people who just need to pay the bare minimum so they can play games online is always going to be more popular than the people paying a premium to play games online and get access to a subscription service full of, of games, like a catalog full of games. So I, I, I'm hey, I'm inclined to agree. I think I think you're right on the money. Um, and then you also said, also, Skull and Bones is doomed because of the no ground combat slash gameplay. Ubisoft should have known better. I gotta be honest, Skull and Bones came out, and I'm so excited because now we don't have to talk about it anymore. I couldn't care any less about Skull and Bones. I saw people saying, like, the game is fine, but it doesn't justify the development time, and it's not even as good as the Assassin's Creed games that came out a decade ago that inspired it. And whether or not that's true, I'm not surprised. I can't believe that game made it, though. I'm, I'm, I am surprised by that. All right, we got a couple more comments here. Tim R. writes in with a little LOL comment. He says, Boulder's Gate hit the mainstream... For the same reason Game of Thrones did, and the same reason True Blood did, horny consumers. That is, as the kids would say, Tim R., that is facts. That is, that is facts machine. That is factually correct. That is that is implicit truth. All right, next up, Julian Wire writes in. I really don't know how to, how to tackle this one because it's written. It's long. Hey, Jesse, sorry for the fractured response over multiple episodes, but for context the other week... You weren't the one stating that Power World would flame out like Hogwarts Legacy, um, but you were responding to another comment saying it. So I was responding to that as a bad comparison to Power World as Hogwarts Legacy is a single-player game and just a campaign. And people don't usually replay campaigns uh, repeatedly. For more context, in your last response, you explained how you personally struggled with theological with the, the theological existence of sandbox games like Minecraft. And while I can appreciate your preference towards the uh, <laughs> atheistic one-and-done campaigns, I was pointing out the sandbox format to support that, like Minecraft, people who do enjoy uh, uh, that continue to have reasons to play and play and play. Hogwarts didn't flame out because people were over it. It flamed out because people beat it and then they moved on. And it didn't have a fleshed out multiplayer to bring them back. Pal World has the forever play me sandbox and is fleshed out the multi it has fleshed out multiplayer. I believe that this is the recipe to go to the distance unlike other mass wave of success games others brought up like Hogwarts Legacy. Whew. Uh, yeah, well, well put, and I appreciate the context and the clarification. I will say this, and, and I'm not insinuating that you're making the point, Julian, so don't don't feel targeted when I say this, but that is a great point, what you're saying, the reason why one has legs and the other doesn't. But my response to that is, like, does it matter for a game to, quote-unquote, flame out, as, as you use, as the term you used? Obviously, in, in a world where Minecraft and Fortnite and Apex Legends and COD Warzone and, and all that stuff exists. I know that these publishers and game companies look at this and they go, we need to have one of those. And it's not good to have a flame out game. But I say, listen, man, you're, you're WB games. You had the best selling game of 2023 in Hogwarts Legacy. You sold tens of millions of, what was it? 30, 40 million copies of the game sold. What we need so desperately is for these publishers to understand and accept that sometimes very few players will get this very rare. You will strike gold and get 
an Apex Legends, a Fortnite, a Warzone. But is it so wrong to have a game that sells tens of millions of copies, makes a shit ton of fucking money, and then people move on? Consumers only have so much time. And I feel like this greedy, capitalistic, extract everything you fucking get blood from the stone attitude that these fucking greedy corporations have where it's like, Oh, the numbers got to go up. Oh, it's got to go up. I have a huge fucking erection. We got to get the stock number up. It's like, shut up for a second. Like, is it so bad for a game publisher to put out a game that is maybe multiplayer and does really well. And then people play it for eight years and you got additional content and a roadmap and you support it. It makes lots of money over a long period of time. That's great. But then you also have a game that's like, a 12-hour single-player game and maybe it sells 6 or 8 million copies and it's a big success and it's like, wow, we made a, a lot of money off of that. Let's move on and make another game. Consumers only have so much time, so much money, so much attention. At some point, these greedy fucking bitch-ass motherfuckers need to understand and accept there's only so much time. There's only so much money. And the more we try to all throw our hat in the ring, the more we're all going to fail. And this is what companies like WB Games are experiencing right now with Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Because even though stupid people like me bought it and enjoyed it for what it was, the majority of people rejected it and said, no, because we don't need our fucking Justice League game to be a live service villains game where you murder Batman. We don't need that. You can give us a 12 hour Suicide Squad game where you kill Batman and that will be fun. But we don't need to have a Destiny-style loot grind in order to kill Superman. We don't need that. We don't have 10, 15 hours a week to dedicate our lives to this game indefinitely. Some games get to be that. Destiny got to be that. Some games will continue to get to be that. You know, Fortnite exists. But not everything will always be that, and there's only so much time and money. So I, I think WB Games is like the perfect example of the publisher. Great for Pal World. That they that they they got lightning in a bottle and that they are going to ride that wave right now. Who knows how long it will last? But they've already made a shit ton of money and hopefully they're able to uh, appreciate their time in the spotlight, right? But WB Games is the perfect publisher because they have Hogwarts Legacy, which is the perfect example of a wonderfully executed single player first uh, uh, or, or uh, story driven experience that people will buy once, play once, and move on with their lives with. And you made a ton of money and you got a ton of good press and you built in a a giant audience of people who are hungry to come back next time because of what a great product you put out there. And then in the same publisher, you have Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, a game nobody asked for that demands way too much time and money from your consumer base and doesn't necessarily make sense for the IP it is and conflicts with and competes with way too many other games that are already vying for people's attention and ultimately has turned people off and left people feeling like they they haven't really been properly spoken to with, with what you're trying to put out there with Justice League. So, I don't know, man. It's like, look at what you're doing and learn from your mistakes. Maybe one day you'll have an idea, you'll have a game, you'll have a studio working on something that will potentially fit that mold and maybe can be like an Apex Legends-style success. But stop trying to artificially manufacture it and assume that there's just endless money and endless time and endless demand from consumers for more and more of this shit. It's okay. Not everything's got the sandbox style thing. Not everything's Minecraft. Minecraft's awesome. Roblox enjoys a similar kind of experience and an endless stream of success that games like Minecraft have. Good. 
But not every game is going to get that. And that's okay. Sometimes it's okay to flame out. It's okay to hit the scene, make a shit ton of money, and then bounce. Go enjoy your wealth. All right, final two comments here. Chicago Gamer writes in and says, Hey, dude, I kind of stopped listening for a year or so. I hope you forgive me and have not been, I have not been gaming much. Well, Chicago Gamer, I'm incredibly heartbroken because I remember seeing you in the comments before and it breaks my heart that you are not forcing yourself to be in the mood to play video games just so you can justify listening to my podcast. I mean, come on, man. No, you're good, man. I hope you're uh, I hope you're enjoying whatever it is you're you're finding value in right now in your free time. He said, anyway, I'm boarding a flight to Orlando for work, and I thought of you. If you want to grab some Culver sometime in the next 48 hours, just let me know. We gotta do an Xbox on meetup or something, you guys. We gotta we gotta meet up at Culver's would be a good spot. I feel like that's what's a, what's like the most appropriate spot though, if we did an Xbox on meetup. Do you guys think that we could um I mean obviously Disney's an obvious one because my nonsensical insertion of Disney at any chance I get. By the way, did you guys see they're bringing Epic Mickey over to Nintendo Switch? Another port for Nintendo, but one that I'm kind of interested in. Anyway, I don't, I don't know, man. Um, what do you what do you think? What would be a good meetup spot? I feel like Chuck E. Cheese would be a good one. Chuck E. Cheese by myself kind of look like a pedophile, but a bunch of 30, 40 year old dudes gathering up at a fucking Chuck E. Cheese together. I feel like maybe those kids would be intimidated and then they'll leave and then we get the place to ourselves. That sounds kind of badass if you ask me. Or maybe we just all get a big-ass table at the TGI Fridays and enjoy some Jack Daniels whiskey sauce. Whiskey, glaze, whiskey, glaze, barbecue, whatever. You put on your ribs. It's good. Chicago Gamer, enjoy your time in Orlando. Enjoy some Culver's if you have it. It's colder here than you think. Not as cold as Chicago. So hope you're doing well. Uh, and hope you have a safe trip, man. Thank you for hanging in. A wrap-up comment comes from none other than Mr. Head Hunting Halo, who says, Woo! Definitely overreacted on this one. I'm ready to play some Mario vs. Donkey Kong. Also pre-ordered Princess Peach Showtime. Did anyone else see the guitar riff for Fortnite Rock Band? Yeah, we talked about it, buddy. I want to know the price on it. I don't think they've announced that yet. I also want to play some guitar games. I miss that crap. Me too, buddy. Amen. Skull and Bones was also a letdown, in my opinion. I went to play Sea of Thieves and actually had a lot of fun playing with people I know. Anyway... Mwah. Bye bye. Headhunting Halo, you were just such a cute little fucking. You're just a little. You're a little piece of tinsel under a uh, tinsel. What is it? You're a little mistletoe under my under my front door in the middle of December. You're the freaking. You're the freaking present wrapped around the tree with my name all over it. Headhunting Halo. There's nothing. There's nothing. This is this is entirely hetero. This is entirely just bromance. What we have here, and I just want to let you know. I'm thinking of you. I hope you're enjoying all your little Nintendo games. I hope you get your Rock Band controller whenever they put a price and release date on it. And I hope you didn't actually buy Skull Bones because that would have been a waste of money, says me and no one else. Headhunting Halo. Hope you're well. Hope you have a great weekend. And now this this rest of this part extends to all of you guys. Thank you all for listening to the Xbox One podcast. That's going to do it for this week's episode. I got to go edit this shit, get it out there. It doesn't look like we lost any of the podcasts. So ha ha ha. Fuck you. Naysayers. Um, and, uh, yeah, be well, take care, eat some good food, play some video games, enjoy your Xbox hardware while you still have it. And until next week, power your dreams.